What's up? Welcome in. Uh, this is the both the hardest and probably the most meaningful episode of Hogan Johns that we've ever done. And it's not going to be what you're used to on Thursdays before games. And there's not, not going to be any bold predictions or even much talk about the Bears, the Giants this weekend. This is all about our friend Jeff Dickerson, who passed away this week and so courageously battled cancer this past year. He meant so much to us. And last night, assuming you're listening to this on Thursday, a bunch of us who have covered the Bears and have been around Jeff Dickerson got together on Zoom and just talked because we might as well have gotten together to talk about him instead of crying over our phones, which we've been doing. And this is long, (laughs) but I think you're going to find out if you don't already know about Jeff Dickerson, the man, the friend, the father, the son. Simply the most unselfish person I've ever met in my entire life. So what you're about to listen to, and I encourage you if you don't usually watch us on YouTube, to maybe watch us on YouTube. But if you don't, it's okay. But we all got together on a Zoom and just talked, which I think we all needed. I know I needed it. And this is that raw conversation as we remember our friend, Jeff Dickerson. So, we have Kevin Fishbane here, J.J. Stakovitz, John Moon Mullen, Peggy Kaczynski, Hub Arkish is here. I mean, what a crew this is. Um, I, I, I hope everyone's hanging in there. And I guess I'll just start. And we can, I mean, seriously, anyone can chime in at any point with anything. And I just, you know, I keep thinking back to um, 2019 Bourbonnais because it was our last training camp. And uh, J.D. wasn't there the year before because he had taken a leave of absence to take care of Caitlin. And um, if you think about what he was going through that year, you know, suddenly turning into a single parent, I don't know how anyone can consider Bourbon a vacation, but for him, like, <laughs> those, those couple weeks down there... Um, I just remember like every day we were whatever JD wants to do, we're doing it. Cause it was, it was his time to, again, it's not really relaxation cause she's working, but you know, for him, he cherished those road trips so much because, um, in a, in a lot of ways it was his only opportunity to get away from just the reality that he was living through. Right. And, um, and and he never showed how hard it was, but you just knew that it that it was. And so um, that last training camp, which at the time we didn't know was going to be the last trip down to Bourbonnet, but it was. I just I was thinking about that among many other things today. I was thinking about the trip to London today, um, 
and I didn't go to the Fulham match, but I was trying to explain it to someone because JD the day after um, when we were all at the Tottenham stadium, like I felt like I went not to the match, but to the bar after where uh, what did the guy say to him in the bathroom? Like I should have batted you. Oh yeah. And you know, JD, I think I heard JD tell that story to five different people. Well, we, we, we had a couple problems that day because, um, you know, those fans are so vicious, JJ, that I was, uh, you know, I was just a stupid tourist, stupid American in the stands and, uh, Charlton who Fulham was playing scored a goal right in front of us. And I just had my phone out, like taking a video of it. And this Fulham supporter behind us was like, are you Charlton? And we all thought like a big fight was about to go down. Um, I remember J- JD had to, he he made sure to and Rich actually talked about this on the radio today that um, JD was like I'm all in on Fulham if Fulham's your club we're going to the Fulham match JD was the one that bought all the tickets JD was the one who got there decked found gear for himself and of course he had to buy a jersey for Parker yep. I mean, if you go through every road trip, I don't think there's a single road trip where JD did not leave without a jersey to bring home to Parker. <laughs> and and that was like, and I just remember that full like Fulham. He was like, I'm going to become the biggest Fulham fan there is today of a soccer team he hadn't heard of until that <laughs> week, just to make sure that Rich, who was the actual Fulham fan, could like even enjoy the experience more. You know, guys, it's funny. I, I didn't make the trip, but uh, Arthur and some of my grandsons have been staying here this week because they haven't worked on the house, and he didn't realize uh, how sick J.D. was. And uh, we were talking, I think it was Monday night, actually, and all he talked about was that trip because that was, I think, his first or second year on the beat, and he didn't really know what kind of turf he was on. And, and he told me this when he came home. He didn't tell me this for the first time by the night. It was like, J.D. just stepped up and took him under his wing, made sure he had a ticket, made sure he went with you guys, made sure he knew what the entire drill was. Um, and, you know, it's just uh, indicative of everything that uh, I think we've all been talking about the last couple of days. I ended up in this strange place where I've been hosting on a score the last three days from two to six. And, and we were, you know, live yesterday when the ESPN tweet hit. And, um, you know, somehow, and I realized I wasn't as close to him. I I loved him and considered him a dear friend, but not as close as some of you guys. And um, ended up yesterday and a good part of today almost being like the spokesman and felt very guilty about it because, you know, it was easy to describe what a special guy he was, but just didn't have a lot of the, you know, really personal stories that you guys have. Isn't that who JD was, Hub? Uh Yeah. I mean... I, I I didn't know JD as well as Adam did or you know, Patrick did or, you know, some of the folks, you know, who, who've known him for longer. But like JD made everyone feel like he was your best friend and, you know, he would include you in everything. And, you know, it, it always felt genuine. Like when JD invited you out to dinner, he wanted you to come out to dinner and he wanted you to drink the wine that he was going to buy for the table. <laughs> you know guys it's really unfortunate but but one of my strongest memories is at caitlin's wake and uh got there relatively early because expected a big crowd and, and waited in line and my turn came up and i got over and we were talking and 
I realized after about five minutes, we were still talking and the line had like tripled in length. And, and, and JD is, you know, he, he's having a good time. And when you tell me stories about Caitlin and, and, and Parker and uh, it, it literally, I felt like it got to be almost 10 minutes and the line was now out the door. And I sat there and I kept looking over my shoulder. And finally he saw me looking at me, he goes, something, I said, you know, Jeff, I, I feel bad. There's a lot of people waiting. He said, oh, they'll wait. They're all going to get their turn too. Everybody's going to wait. And, and just, you know, with a big smile and just kept talking, you know, and it was, and, and, you know, as I walked out, you know, saw a lot of mutual friends and acquaintances and they all knew, you know, I felt bad. They were all smiling and, you know, just everybody happy to be there for him. Yeah. I, um, uh, I'm blown away by his, the, the, uh, inclusivity of Jeff and I, I'll just relay this really quickly. When I joined the beat in 2018, and, you know, my, my first act on the beat was the combine. And so I just, I text Jeff just from having known him through the years, not really well, but you know, we were friendly and, you know, he gave me a very thorough, um, you know, outlook and he said, but here's the first, he said, Grody, the first thing though, is you're going to meet us at St. Elmo's. I'm going to get an extra reservation spot for you. And you're going to meet us at San. And I ended up going out with, you know, Fishbane and Rich Campbell and, and a whole table of guys and, um, it's funny. I, it, some of you guys may or may not know, but I, I don't drink. I'm an alcoholic and Jeff, like he knew that. And he went out of his way, like the, the whole night. He's like, Hey girl, are you sure you're comfortable with us drinking? I'm like, Jeff, it's, it's all good. But it was touching. And at that point, um, you know, I knew what he was all about and I do wish that I knew him better. And, um, and I'm also so sorry to some of you other guys on this call that do know him so well. Um, and my genuine sympathies go out to you. And he, he just, uh, I'm blown away by all the, the things that you guys have written and what everybody's written. So that's kind of, um, that's my, that's where it starts for me with JD. I, I want to say something um, because I think Moon, you and I may have contributed to corrupting JD with good wine on the road. That's mean. Um, what you mean. Uh, that is mean. I know. Teasing. Um, You're teasing everybody. Come on. I'm sorry. That. I'm sorry. Um, I have to tell you guys how this started. So JD was young and we were at ESPN radio and this had to be, oh my gosh, 15, 17 years ago. And my husband said, why don't we take some of your coworkers out to dinner? And we went um, to, uh, rush street. And we, we were going out to dinner and JD actually tried to help pay the bill. <laughs> we were like, no, 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 no. This is good. This is like, don't worry about it. We're good. We're good. And he was like, Oh no, 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 no. I do not drink bad wine. And I thought, <laughs> uh Oh, this is someone I can totally corrupt on the road. And I didn't know I was going to end up working at NBC. I was working at ESPN at the time. And um, we would go on the road. Moon, man, how many times would we just like sit in the lobby and buy a great bottle of wine? And JD would walk over and we'd end up arguing over Pinot versus Cab versus, you know, uh, Bordeaux. And uh, he was a Pinot man and I, I'm not a Pinot person. And he would be like, you know, come on, Peg, you're not going to give up. You're not going to turn down a good glass of wine just because you don't like. I go, yeah, actually, it's OK to do that. He was so 
accepting of everything that I just remember thinking who like this guy is like, is he for real? Is this real? Is this like a, a facade? Is this is, and then, you know, I, when I came full circle working for channel five and came back into the whole media room, um, man, like he was, he was the same person that was the young kid that, you know, had worked for McNeil and wasn't scarred and was still <laughs> just as positive as he could possibly be. I mean, it, it, seriously, it just, um, truly you guys, we're, we're, um, really lucky to have, I mean, Adam, think about last week when he was looking at us going, you guys, I feel good. I feel, don't I look good? I look good. Right. And you're just kind of thinking, um, yeah, JD, you look great. You look great. You know, just, just, you know, a page that we can all take to live the rest of our lives. Truly. We were not really realizing how lucky we, we have been. Yeah. I've, uh, Peggy and I were both there um, at his house last Wednesday, um, like literally just before they were coming to take him to hospice. And uh, man, I, I st- what Peggy's saying is still so true. I, I I couldn't even then. He just he had so much strength, and um, you, even though I mean, in the room you knew he was getting more and more tired and you know he was starting to doze off a little bit while we were talking to him and but then he would just like snap out of it and it'd be like I'm good I'm ready to rock and roll that's what I mean that's what he said and he's like I'm coming home I this and he's like he kept trying to this isn't the type of place where they just you know shove you in a closet and die no they're gonna take care of me there and I'm gonna make it to the 28th and we're going to beat this thing. I don't have a, and that's something he told me so many times over the last few months. I I'm going to beat this. I don't have a choice. Um, and even that, and that, you know, cause I left for Seattle with my family the next day, I, you know, we knew, we knew what was going on. And I, I think he probably did too, but even in those moments, he was still just thinking about us. And I'll just, like Peggy, when you came in, it was the same thing he had just said told, said to me five minutes before. It's like, don't freak out. It's going to be okay. But they're moving me to hospice. My, you know, it's been hard on my parents and I'm, I'm going to do this and it's going to make it easier on them and every, but everything's going to be okay. Everything. And it's just like, it was just, it was crushing, but yeah, it was crushing. And his mom, Sandy, said to me when we were leaving, I feel like I'm lying to my son. And I mean, I, 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 I took her shoulders and I said, stop it. I said, you are doing what every parent would do for their child. And that is protect them and comfort them. And if that's what he needs to think, then that's what he needs to think because that's how Jeff lived his life was in the positive. And like, that's okay. There is nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah, you guys, man, he's just, he was really, yeah. 
You know, guys, unfortunately, if we live long enough, we're all going to deal with experiences like this relative to Jeff's family. And um, we've been through it a few times in the last five, six years with, with literally three different family members. And um, one of the most remarkable things uh, about Jeff is really his support system and, and, and the way they've gotten through this and the way they got through Caitlin and the way he handled Parker up to this point. Yeah, I don't know his families, but, but I mean, I know what they were going through. I can tell you that. And, you know, there's no good answer except exactly what Peggy just said. And the best answer was Jeff. I mean, that's the most remarkable thing about it, you know, was, was that, uh, you know, right up to the end, he's the one that was taking care of everybody else. And you just, you just don't meet people like that. I mean, it's, it's really, we're, we're actually, uh, um, we're, we're going through it with my brother right now. And, and he is the opposite of Jeff, you know, for, for whatever that's worth. And uh, anyway, I love him to death and, and, and that's all great. Um, but you, you really, you know, when you, when you have to see some of this, unfortunately we all do, yeah, yeah, I'm just that much more blown away by JD, you know, and, and, and really unlike anybody I've ever known. Hi, Adam Hogue, by the way. Um, Hi guys. Pat Finley's here as well. Um, I, 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 what's up guys. I, hi Peggy. Um, I, I, I don't know whether this has been brought up, but I mean, Hogue, when we saw him nine days ago, 10 days ago, how much time did he spend telling us not to worry about him? Like, yeah. Most of the time, <laughs> like it was, uh, I mean, you know, you know, he, it was almost as though he wouldn't let us leave until we believed that, yes. that, that everything was going to be okay. And that there was no one, I mean, there was no other option. It wasn't, Hey, you got to trust me on this. It was guys, you know, look me in the eye. We're fine. Yes. Yeah. And it meant so much to him for us to be less aggrieved and, um, that's I, I don't know many people who would have done I, I keep coming back to it too everybody everybody who's close to him has the same story of the last month the last weeks the last days as he was trying to build up hope and keep them encouraged and, and be positive bjd and everybody I, i've heard now i don't know like tens maybe hundreds of stories at this point of friends of his and you know listening to uh, you know, to his colleagues on 1000 today, telling it so beautifully. And it just, every story was the same. It was him being positive, inspiring hope. And it, it adds up to the person we got to know and love. And it's just, it blows me away. Okay. Can I just ask something, you guys, like, let's be real right now with this Parker's fund is at almost three quarters of a million dollars. Let's talk about what JD how he did his job to the point to get so many people to respect him, to donate like this. Like it is, my son keeps going like this to me. He's like, oh my God, mom, look at this. Look at this. Jeffrey Lurie, you know, Tom Ricketts, uh, Theo Epstein, the Blackhawks Foundation, the Bears just put in the 25,000. Someone did an anonymous 60,000. Like, I would love to hear because you guys are all what was it about JD? He had the connections and yet, you know, not everything was good. And yet he got the respect of everybody. Like, how did he do this? How did he make such an impression? And one thing to add really quick too, guys, I don't know if you guys have been watching the Bulls game or not, but they did 
uh, a moment of silence apparently at at the United Center, which which just blew me away to to hear that. That to your point, Peggy. Yeah, you know what it is, Peg. It, he made everyone feel like they were his best friend. You know, I I, I think he he just did. It was whether you talked to him one time or you or you you got to know his entire family. That's that's what he did, and so that's why there's this much support. Um, I could also tell you he's probably losing his mind over it and uh, going, whatever you do to not give this money to Parker right now, he's going to spend it on everything. It'll be gone, and, you know. But, um, you know, I'm I'm just, it's just, look, there's just so much crap right now in this world that we're all living with on a day-to-day basis. And, um, you know, we all, we all want JD to be here, but if there's one silver lining is just to see the humanity today with this fund in the last 24 hours and just the constant support. I, I shared uh, this on, yeah. uh, sorry, Adam, uh, ESPN 1000 uh, a couple hours ago. JD brought the Chicago Sun-Times and the Chicago Tribune together. Um, <laughs> Pat knows what I mean. Um, I, 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 I John's, it was the first year I was there in 2014 or 2013 in Pittsburgh was that the last relationship between the Sun-Times and the Tribune wound up with wound up with somebody trying to fight somebody in a parking lot or something. Yeah, it was yeah. so – when I joined that beat, it was so, so contentious. Now, J.D. was J.D., but it was contentious. But, I mean, I just thought about year after year from – he would split dinners at St. Elmo's, right? He would have, you know, Zach was always by his side, but, you know, Tribune one night, sometimes the next night. You know, Kevin was like the, uh, I don't know, like. <laughs> Kevin floated. Kevin got the float. <laughs> he, he was a floater, yeah. He went back and yeah. forth. But, like, uh, then, like, flash forward three years later, there's all of us together. Sometimes Tribune, NBC Sports, as competitive as we were, as driven as we were. There's eight of us at the Hibachi Grill in Kankakee, right? The, the, the Hibachi Grill at the mall in Kankakee. They're shooting sake shots in their mouths, and we're all together. You know, like, J.D. loved that. Like, that, like, J.D. would have, like, the sake, like, dripping down his mouth onto his shirt, you know, and, and like, the, the, the smile. But, like, we were all there. Like, here comes Dan. Like, we, we, we were all there, you know? Um like I'll, I'll I'll remember that. Um, you know he he brought people together. I, that, that's 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 who he was, and you know I think people naturally gravitated towards him, and you know you just felt better when you were around him. Well, Adam, one other, let's not one forget other. that TV people weren't allowed at those either. <laughs> that's that's what I was just about to say, Peggy. Is one of the few things I remember from the New Orleans trip is the room spinning at end. <laughs> But across from me at this dinner, it's Ike, you know, the, the great WGN photog and Eric Fogel are across from me. And, you know, here's a bunch of beat writers out with some, you know, some of the best camera guys in the biz. But J.D. brought everyone together. It wasn't just the beat writers. It was the the, the TV folks and the camera guys. And, and it was incredible. And that was about the only other thing I remember from that night. I, t- I told that JJ. I, I told that story. Bob Seger, but yeah, yeah, I don't remember that. I, I told that story on 1000 today because I got there 
before you guys and I see the table and I just see the Botox. So I'm saying hello to, to, to everybody. And I'm like, I'm going to go meet. I'm going to go wait for JD. I, I'm at his reservation. And they looked at me like I was an idiot. I'm like, they're like, hello, we're all here for JD's reservation. Like he booked <laughs> the biggest table in the restaurant and then organized a tour for us afterward. And I think Hogue, you know, you, you said it that he just made everybody feel like his best friend, Courtney Cronin, who I don't know personally, who's the Vikings writer for ESPN. You should go read what she wrote about him. You know, Jade has no idea who she is. She just starts on the beat. She's doing a stand up at Soldier Field before Monday night game. And he's right there. And, and he's giving her tips and helping her out and giving her advice and being her biggest fan. Like, like that's what that that's who he was. Like when we went to the combine with him, JD knew everybody. He knew Schefter, you know, he knew like the, if he wanted to hang out with like a big time agent or go hang out with some former coaches who were there, he could like, you know, but he, he always wanted to be, he always wanted to be, well, the beat one night and then NFL nation night two. And then the beat that he didn't go out with on the first night on the third night. And that that's, that's who he was. He made everybody feel like, like the amount of people who have poured out, like everyone thinks they're closer to JD and maybe they actually were, but I think that says a lot more about him because he just made everybody feel great. Yeah. Kev, I was, I, I was telling my wife tonight that, you know, um, my dad was a sports writer when I was a little boy. And, and I know that being a sports writer is hard on your family. Like when it was clear I was going to marry my wife, like my mom pulled her aside and was like, are you sure you want to do this? Which is, which I still appreciate. But, um, that wasn't about that though, Pat. No, it was just a general. Yeah, it was just a general. Um, but the fact that, you know, and I realize baseball and basketball and there are other beats that have it worse than we do, but it's not easy to, to have little kids and to do this. And, you know, we spent a New Year's Eve with Parker and Caitlin, you know. Uh, you know, there were nights when, you know, any Saturday night when you were missing your family and you felt far away, like JD was your family. Like JD was the one with the dinner table telling you to, you know, to show up at seven o'clock. And he was the one ordering the nice bottle of wine and the one sitting there and wanting to talk to you about anything but the game of wine. And that, that was, that was so rare, but it, it made you feel like you were part of, part of a gathering that, that you would ordinarily be missing out on because you had to pick up and leave, you know, 10 Saturdays a year. You know, guys, I, in trying to come up with the the ultimate to Jeff, I've been sitting here feeling guilty ever since Peggy brought up the GoFundMe page because we were sitting here a few hours ago and Arthur saw the 25K from the Colts. And so we started a pool on what the Bears would do. And I had them a hundred bucks in a hoodie to auction off. So I, I guess I screwed up on that one. Listen, we were all hoping that they were one of the anonymous donors. Yeah. But... I mean, once you saw what the other teams were doing, I mean, God bless they came through. This was, it was fantastic that they're Yeah, and by the way, I, you know, this is, it, it's in good fun for Jeff. I know my rep in town, I'm the homer and everything else. And we all know who the family is at their hearts. You know, I, I think in a moment like this, you see who they are, you know, let, let's forget all the football shit and uh, right. at the same time, but it, but it really, it, it's Jeff. It wouldn't happen for all of us. I know that, you know. Oh, and, hell no. Uh, guys, I, I was, I was, <laughs> for whatever it's worth, I was taken by Matt today. I mean, you know, I don't, four years later, I'm not sure I know the guy, but, but that I thought was 
pretty genuine, you, you know, and, and when he was asked the question about Parker, um, we actually talked about this on the air from what I, that, that was genuine emotion. And, uh, you know, I don't know a lot of guys that get through to a coach like that. And, and, and even with this coach, it just, there's just different ways to measure JD and he keeps coming out on top on all of them. You know, I was, I was thinking about the fact that Nagy and Jeff are the same age, you know, the same year. And that's, you know, I don't know. It just struck me. I mean, I'm the year younger than Jeff um, and Matt. So like, you know, I'm so used to in my mind, always the coaches and managers being so much older, you know, and then it, it kind of hit me, you know, and I'm sure it hit him, you know, the way it's hit all of us with kids, you know, I think it's hit us a little extra hard for that. Just thinking about Parker. John, I, 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 I asked that question to Matt because, you know, just being in that same boat of being the same age, being a proud dad, being committed to a career, trying to balance all those things. And I knew that Matt was genuinely affected by what Jeff had battled through and obviously what had happened yesterday. And I was curious, just I wanted to get his his perspective and response to how it affected him and the fact that he couldn't answer the question because he was fighting back emotions. It was, it was so sincere and genuine. It tells you a lot about Jeff. I mean, and, and he is, as you guys know, a lot of us are, are around the similar age. We have similar sacrifices that we make <laughs> with our children to do this job. And Jeff did it with more grace and more perspective and more balance than, than I certainly can ever muster. And it, it's an example for me in, in my, in my, my every week, life to, to try to channel some Jeff into to retaining that that perspective and that grace and that balance. One of the, the things that I always talk about is uh, you guys know me uh, and know how pissed off I can get at things that happen in the media room that happen on the beat you? and things like that. No, no, you guys have all seen an incident or two where I've, where I've blown my, my top and, you know, Rich Campbell and I used to, you know, have the same sort of wiring and then, and JD would come over to our cubicle and he'd just stand there at the end of the afternoon and go, guys, guys, we're covering a football team. Like, just relax, go home, be with your wives, break open a bottle of wine. It's okay. And that was it just, it was that, that, that reminder that you needed, that you knew, but it was just like, all right, give it to me, Jeff, <laughs> tell me. You know, it was um, like Kevin, you know, a couple of days ago before, before Jeff passed, Kevin and I were texting about some stuff and I, you know, he was texting me the updates on Jeff and I go, you know, it really just makes this Bears stuff seem like really silly. Like that I'm, you know, whatever I'm writing on. I think I stopped writing what I was writing. And he goes, I can hear JD's voice booming through the Hallis Hall, you know, media room. Like, guys, guys, they're going to fuck it up. They're the Bears. It's okay. <laughs> it's going to happen. Just relax. <laughs> yeah, John, it's, a, it's that voice, man. Like, it's like they were playing it all day in 1000 a day. And it was just like, it's, it's so vintage JD, but then you're like, oh my God, like I can't believe that that that's the it's last gone. i know we're gonna hear of them and it's just that's i mean it I... just it, it carves right through you you know when you hear it and like it's i love people doing the impression because everybody has got a similar impression and pat brought up the wine earlier another favorite impression of mine of jeff is no, no matter when you sat down to dinner with them he would grab the wine list and he'd start looking at the bottles and he'd say all right guys i've got the wine don't worry about the wine. I got it. And then he picked some really expensive bottle and he just wanted you to know I'm covering that. So don't worry about that. We're going to drink a couple of nice bottles of wine. We're going to have a great time tonight. Everyone's invited. And that was it.
Can I tell you something that's really interesting about um, Dan is um, Jeff Jonia called me last night and um, I texted Kevin. I texted you. I was just like, gosh, you guys, I am. I was really struggling coming up with everyone had these great stories and I'm and I'm listening and um, I like had brain fog. I could not remember a single story about JD and I can't go on the radio. I can't, what am I going to say? Like, I don't remember anything except being with him. And then you guys all started saying the wine, the wine. (laughs) It's like Jeff Jonia calls me last night. He goes, I just got to tell you, he goes, I take my job so seriously And then I'll never forget hanging with you and JD in Detroit. You remember that, right? You remember that? And I'm like, no, I don't remember. (laughs) And he's like, you guys had a great bottle of wine. And I'm like, that was what we always did. Like that that doesn't narrow it down one bit. Yeah. No, (laughs) but that's when it hit me that, that I like he, we could escape we could escape, you know, our deadlines and the competition and all that and just sit back and enjoy a great glass of wine. And I I was like, it's so simple, you know, but we get caught up and I'm removed now from it, you guys. And I'm telling you, it, it was so good to be able to look back and be able to say, the point of always taking a step back and enjoying a good glass. You know, otherwise it was crazy. And Moon was a part of it. Me and J- me, JD and Moon, we were the we were the the originals of the good wine, you know. And um it just really like that was a great lesson for me this morning when I kept looking back and I was like, shouldn't I have a story? Shouldn't I have something funny to say? And I, I was like, I don't think I have anything funny to say. And, and then I was like, oh my God, it was really just about the camaraderie. And then, you know, how many people were texting and saying, you guys are all competitors, but the camaraderie that keeps coming through from everyone's stories is unbelievable. And I, I guess it's just, you know, it's like being, it's like the guys we cover, you know, what do they say when they retire? They miss the camaraderie. They miss the locker room. And that's what like this, Adam, thank you very much for organizing because this like is truly like in the end, what this is, what it was all about, you know, not the story. Isn't this Peg, isn't this a lot different? Like there's a few of us on here, you know, Moon and Hub and, and, and me and you that, that predate like you know, I started in 09 and I think that's before a lot of people on this call, you know, kind of got on the beat and it was a different beat before oh. like the younger group of writers. It was, uh, I was shocked. It was like a really nasty kind of like mean. Co- mean competition. I mean, there was not a lot of camaraderie on the road. Like you guys would go out. I know um, it was a, it was a different time, but everyone, even in then everyone liked Jeff, like yep. even then when everyone was, I mean, it was, it was mean and like, Jeff still stood alone. Usually, was, he didn't stand alone. He usually stood with Zach somewhere in the room, and they would be talking. But. <laughs> Wait, I, don't, I don't know if anyone on, on this call was John. You're so right. We were in Carolina one year, and 
I, you know, we were always meeting like the hotel bar and we go down to the hotel bar and I'm kind of like, like, Hey, what's the plans? What, what's everyone doing? What's everyone. I mean, this had to be 15 years ago and no one's saying anything and no one's saying anything and no one's saying anything. And I was like, what's going Like, okay, I guess I'm not invited to dinner. What's going on? Everybody was going to a strip club and they didn't <laughs> want to tell me that they were all going to a strip club. And so I was just like, well, I can do that. Like I can hang. Like it, it's okay, unless you guys got something to hide when you go to the strip club. So, but Peggy, did you John, go? John, Peggy, did you you're, go? You're. Ex- I did go. Yes. <laughs> now I won't tell you my impression of the people that did imbibe, but uh, John is exactly right. It was. Um, very exclusive. It was not inclusive. It was not like you, like JD was a different cat to, to invite everyone the way he did. It was not like that 15 years ago. Absolutely not. I think we would all agree that he's a big reason why it changed. Because that's just not the beat I know. I was just going to say he was, probably primarily responsible for it. I actually, it was funny because when, when Peggy was talking about being the one uh, who corrupted JD, I don't know if she remembers this, but I may be the one who corrupted her. We were um, way back in the day, our routine was the, the, the broadcast team and, and, and our engineers and producers would go out and we always, you know, welcomed anybody who wanted to join, but, but not everybody was in the same hotel, but this was the mid nineties and we're in Secaucus, you know, with uh, the old Meadowlands and we're organizing for our usual dinner. And Peggy, I don't know how long you'd been, you know, on the beat at that point, but she comes down in the lobby and I saw her kind of standing over and I didn't know exactly what you were doing and we were getting ready to go. And I just said, Hey, you know, Peg, we're going out to dinner. You got anybody have dinner with? And she looked at me and said, well, I don't really, come on, you know, let's go. And I I don't know if you remember this night, but we went to some old Italian joint about a mile from the Marriott, right across the street from the Meadowlands. And at the table across from us was Virginia and Michael and Muggs Hallis's two kids who lived in New Jersey and they were negotiating the deal where the, the wow. bears were buying out their minority minority wow. share. Um, we didn't pay. We, I found that out later. We didn't pay any attention to any of that. Yeah. Um, but but we that that crew, that particular group you were with, that that was um, uh, Wayne and myself and the Zerang boys and, and uh, uh, Hamp was with us. And and um, we drank a little bit. But let's just say that. And so. <laughs> Uh, it, it was a fun night, but but there wasn't a lot of that. And, and then again, I, I'm just a lot older than you guys, and so I, I sometimes just didn't want to go because I felt I'd cramp everybody's style. But it was pretty clear to me, you know, once we went to Bourbon A, what was going on. And Jeff must have invited me a thousand times. And and, and you know, I, I I hope nobody ever thought I didn't go because I didn't want to. It's because I was afraid that you were just being polite and I didn't want to ruin everybody's night. And JD never gave up. You know, whenever we were there, it, it, always the invite. And the best times were the few times that I did go. Can we uh can we talk about more about the New Orleans trip? Because John's wrote about it. Can I just bring up one real quick thing on New Orleans? Can we remember? Yeah. Right. So here's here's where I come in on New Orleans because I had a Northwestern game and it was like a 230 game, I think. And so I missed out on most of New Orleans because I had a later flight and 
on top of that, I almost missed that flight because Northwestern and Michigan State decided to play in a triple overtime. Uh, shout out to Nate Hall on the interception, right? Kevin Fishbane. We're not giving you your 15 seconds on Northwestern on this one. Um, so I get on the flight. I just barely made it, and I get down there, and all I wanted to do, I mean, it, the, by far the the biggest negative to me of doing the Northwestern gig for those six years was all the Saturdays I would miss with you guys sometimes with the later games. So anyway, I did not care what time it was. It, it did not matter to me. I got to my hotel. They didn't have my room ready. How they didn't have my room ready at midnight or whatever time it was, it w- was unbelievable. So I'm all upset, I'm, and J.D., you got to get out here. Don't care. You got to get out here. So I come find you guys on Bur- on Bourbon Street. None of you had any idea what the hell was going on. <laughs> okay. And all of a sudden I turned into it like a dad. Cause I was like, guys, we have a game in the morning. You all need to go home right now. And like, that was my, that was my experience of New Orleans was showing up and basically cleaning up for all of JD's damage that he had done to you guys. Yeah. So oh, here's, how, uh, here's, go ahead, Pat. I had to text John's today to tell him the name of the restaurant. That's how much fun we <laughs> I forgot it. I remembered it because John's wrote it. But so the damage no, happened. No, John's wrote that he he didn't know the name of the restaurant, which is why I texted him. Oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> but so the damage happened because, Pat, you and I met up with him at the hotel bar, and we got beers <laughs> to go, to go to Patio yeah. Brothers. There and- was a, no, we watched the end of a Northwestern Michigan State yes. game at the hotel. Yeah, I remember that. And so, you know, Peggy talking about, you know, how inclusive JD was with everything. So this was Colleen Kane's first road trip with the the trip. And I had known her from covering the White Sox. We'd spent some time in, you know, clubhouses together and stuff. So JD's like, yeah, text Colleen, have her come out. So she meets us at Patty O'Brien's. We all get a hurricane because, of course, and, you know, one hurricane on an empty stomach will do a little bit of damage. And we're, it's like, all right, dinner's at eight. I thought JD said dinner was at seven. JD goes, all right, well, we got to go get a hurricane on the way to dinner or a hand grenade, excuse me. And I'm like, no, we don't. And JD goes, but it's New Orleans. And he kept saying that. And I mean, we're, we're walking down Bourbon Street. We stop at the place to get hand grenades. I'm like, JD, this is a bad idea, but it's New Orleans. So, you know, drink the hand grenade on the way to dinner. Go to a bar. For the record, for the, JJ, for the record, we got hurricanes and then hand grenades. Yes. It right. wasn't hurricane. one or the other. We went No, exactly. Right. We all drank our hurricanes at Pat O'Brien's and then got hand grenades on the way to a bar to go there before dinner. So that's when, when I said earlier, the, the room was spinning at Antoine's and I'm looking at Ike and Ike is like, you know, like he's on the Titanic about to like tip over. That's what it was. And JD the whole time, but it's New Orleans, but it's New Orleans. And then the next day, and Johns, you wrote about this in the press box at the Superdome, which is the worst place to be hungover in the United States of America, is the press box at the Superdome. And I get in there, like I, Pat, I think I rode with you and Potsy to the game, and we get in there and we're all just wrecked. And there's JD in his suit and tie. He's been there for a while. Hey guys, how you doing? I'm just like, how do you? I, I think I looked at like him. Last said, night never happened. <laughs> yeah. I looked at him and I said. He always did that, by the way. Always. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how I, he did it, but he always did it. I looked at him and I said, if you fucking say, but it's New Orleans one more time, I'm going to throw you off this press box. <laughs> well, well, JJ, what I remember about that day was that Fats Domino had died that week. 
So every piece of audio they played in the in the stadium was a Fats Domino song. Mm-hmm. And it was also, we were right under the air conditioning duct. Yeah. So, so what do you think it is in the press box? 57 degrees, something like that. So, so yeah, my enduring memory of that day was, uh, was Fats Domino songs being piped into our faces and just shivering and being a complete mess. Um, they cut, and they then, cut the lights, Pat, for the Saints to run on the field to a Fats Domino song. And I remember thinking, I'm going to pass out. <laughs> That was JD, though. That was the other side of the social JD is every Sunday morning. He's the first one there in his suit if he's going to be on TV. And he is the happiest guy in the press box. He's happy to greet you. Well, let's put it. There was un- usually there's another Bears beat writer who's there just as early, but he's not as more, he's not as jovial about greeting people who walk into the press box and and jd was and you would be like i was with you till two in the morning last night i remember philadelphia a few like maybe that was 20 oh. and, and we went to some dive bar the, the, the underground bar there's jd the next morning and that's what that's what really was so painful about you know he wanted to be jd all the way to the end and when we were in Vegas, like he was struggling and the meds were just messing with him and he, he just wasn't feeling great, but he didn't want to let that on. And, and, and he, like, I mean, I remember being tired. Like I wanted to go back to, I wanted to go back to the hotel, but you know, we all wanted to stay out. And, and he, he kept apologizing and we're like, JD, like that was JD. Like he wanted to just <laughs> yeah. be JD all the way through. He wanted to make that a Vegas night, even though physically he couldn't, he couldn't do it. Yeah. Kev, he cashed out at like 1130 at night and like, could not be more upset about it. And we're like, dude, it's, yeah, it's Vegas. Thrilled. I wanted to go back home at that point. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then, you know, and then Hogan Potsy and I went and saw him in Tampa and what, Hogue, what time was our dinner reservation? 10 PM, something like that. Well, we went through a, uh, a, th- a three hour uh, good night, Mark Grody. Thank you so much for being here. Mark's going to sign off. He's got to do a radio show at like 4 a.m. <laughs> yes, I have the distinction of uh, being Molly and Haw tomorrow morning. So thanks a lot. Both of them? Wait, both you have to be them? both of them? That's- no, 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 no. I, I, I'm Pick one, one Pick one. Pick one. Yes. Yeah. Make sure you wear your, make sure you wear your flannel and, uh, <laughs> can you give us a good Molly before you go? <laughs> He broke the Zoom. He scream. He screamed so loud. He broke it. He broke his phone. Wear your flag and anthem, and and uh, no. Thank you so much, girls. Yeah, so, thanks for doing it, guys. And and again, I, I like I said earlier, I, I, I'm overwhelmed by the 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 tightness that you guys had with him, and I love hearing the stories and everything that every one of you guys and gals has has written. So thank you, and I appreciate you guys including me too. So have a great night, guys. Thanks, Mark. So, Pat, yeah, back to Vegas. Um, uh, what was it you just said? No, it was no, it was in Tampa. You and Hogan, oh, you and you yeah. and JD were so late. You and JD were so late on your flight that yeah, we had a, you, like set me up. Well, first of all, you know, JD and I flew together often because we're like the only two that fly American. Well, Dan does too. Dan flies American too a lot of times. So a lot of times we're on the same flights. That day, um. 
we, I just, we were having the worst luck this season. I, it's like every damn trip it's, you know, it's COVID it's staffing issues. It's, you know, lack of flights, all this stuff that's going on this year. Um, and we had a three hour delay, which was like the second time in a couple of weeks we had had like a three hour delay. And, um, you know, that was, there were so many small signs. That was one of them, that trip where the things were starting to decline a little bit. And, um, but that was one of them. And we were supposed to meet, meet up with the, uh, ESPN 1000 crew that was going out there, Sylvie and Carm and, uh, and Danny Zetterman had gone out there with their kids. And, um, that was the plan. And our flight got delayed so much that we, we couldn't do that. Um, and there was this place called Oyster Catchers. So JD, every time we went to Tampa, stayed at the Hyatt, which is this amazing resort on the water. Um, and there was this place called Oyster Catchers there that was just like the greatest seafood place. He loved it. He loved going there. And so as soon as the first plans changed, it was like, all right, we're going to Oyster Catchers. This is what we're doing. And yeah, our our, our reservation was late and uh, didn't matter. And Potsy was there too. So I, I don't, sorry, I didn't mean to take over your story there, Pat, but um, yeah, we had a late reservation and- what? There are there are two things I remember about that trip. One of the or about that dinner. One of them was that you got some sort of old fashioned that had smoke in it. Oh yeah, the smoke literally came out of it. But yeah, but I remember that Jeff wanted to walk us back to the hotel through um, a little patch of um, essentially uh, jungle um, that had a boardwalk through it that that he and that he and his wife and Parker had walked through back when they had stayed there. And he was just telling me how cool he was telling us how cool it was. And, you know, we went through in pitch black and, and it was, it was great. And, and we got back to the lobby and he put us in a car. And, and I remember the next day, Hogue, him telling us that he had to go back to that same lobby and ask, you know, a doorman to button his dress shirt on because his fingers didn't work anymore. And, and, and I think you and I buttoned his sleeves for him in the press box because his fingers were being affected by the treatment that he had. And there was such a nobility about the way that he handled all of this that I remember being secretly crushed by the fact that he had to go find a stranger to help him with his dress shirt. Yeah, that one hurt, Pat. I still remember that. And and then, Dan, I wanted to bring up two in Vegas. Um you know, we had some, yeah, he felt bad. So my, you guys brought up how he went to bed the night before the game. Um, this was just so JD. So I was supposed to have a, I scheduled an early flight out that day to hang out with you guys. And especially Jeff, you know, I just, I can't help but feel some of this guilt. Cause I know not everybody knew what was going on this year and that's the way he wanted it. But you know, I did. And I just feel like there's all these moments where, I got to kind of understand what was going on and cherish them a little bit more because deep down I kind of knew what was happening. But one of them was just like I really wanted to be out there for him. And um, so my flight gets canceled. The luck we kept. Right, yeah. By the way, shout out to the pilot yesterday. I let James sit in the, in the cockpit before the flight because that was awesome. Yes, and we have a sweet photo, and I'll share it because that's amazing. Um, but, yeah, it's been a rough year travel-wise. Anyway, no one wants to hear that complaining. I, my flight got canceled in the morning, so I didn't show up until, you know, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. And 
and he had already gone to bed. And, and again, like those tiny red flags, like that was one of them. Cause that just, you guys know that it's not JD. I was like, Oh, he's already in bed. Like, Oh man, he just really must not be feeling well. So the next day after the game, uh, Dan and I, we, we managed to have a, just a great dinner with him, which was sort of planned. We didn't really know where we were going. We ended up at this tapas place and, um, spent way too much money on way too little food that was still really, really tasty. The, <laughs> that's where Pat comes in with a stupid joke. And you're due for one of those every time. <laughs> okay. I apologize. Maybe it was a topless joint. I didn't know. Um, no, it was topless. And, uh, Sorry. Um, Dan, you can pick up too. It was just, we had this nice, we had this nice dinner, which was amazing food, bottles of wine, of course. And, um, you know, Guys, all, I got the wine. Don't worry about yeah. it. I got the wine and I, same thing. We were yeah, at the Aria and we stayed for, uh, probably an hour and a half after we were done eating Hogue. Right. And it was just kind of just catching up on fatherhood and the bears and just, general life topics. And that, that was when it was, you know, smooth and, and it just felt good to connect. Right. And, and that, that was Jeff's nature is like, he was going through so much and yet was always just asking more questions about you and your family than you were ever asking about him. And, and I've said it a number of times the last couple of days that you're aware over these last three months of everything he was dealing with, but he almost gave everybody a false sense of security because he was so damn tough and so capable of being positive through everything that, you know, you just sat there and thought to yourself, JD's got this, you know, if anybody is going to have the positive energy and the mental fortitude and just the overall toughness to get through this, JD's got this. And so you just, even as the struggles added up, you're just like, eh, this is just a speed bump for Jeff. And for me, I know for me, it's like the last couple of months, I, I, I felt numb kind of dealing with this. And then yesterday it just came pouring out like a waterfall for, for hours, really, because it was like, no, like that, that reality is, is too much for me to swallow. It doesn't make any sense because of how good he was doing for so many months. I mean, you, if you guys went to anything with him over the spring or summer, I mean, he looked exactly the same. They had taken out a giant section of his colon and, you know, sewed him back together and you wouldn't have ever been able to notice. Right. And so you're just sitting there and you're like, Jeff's got this. And, and, and so all of that, it, it just doesn't make sense now to process <laughs> what the end result was. You know what I'm going to miss? Sorry. Um, Dan, hearing you do your like impersonation of JD, like all his impressions of everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know? <laughs> so like, like I would think of the good moments and you know like John you wrote it in your your column today or our compilation of things just I mean he can impersonate anybody um just the his Ryan Pace was very good you know <laughs> um it is his Mark Silverman was my favorite though like yeah, so <laughs> he's really good <laughs> like I mean, he did a good, like, a lot of people we worked for. Like, he did a really good Roman Madrowski. You know, not a lot of people were asking for Roman Madrowski impressions. But, uh, did he, good, he, he did a good, he did a good Fred Hubner. Yeah, great yeah, Fred yeah. Hubner. 
You did. Um, I told I Fred. told Fred that on the air tonight. I said, Fred, I hope you know that JD did a great Fred Hubner impression. And you should take that as a compliment. Oh man, he did. I mean, we used to do so many. And I mean, that was like the lead of my column. I didn't want to say what it was, but he was doing an impression of Lovey. Oh yeah. And like getting fired because it was the end of the 2012 season and it was like lovey talk it was like 15 different people talking like ted phillips and everyone and everyone just kind of interacting and he would it work hilarious. it into stories like, yeah. oh, like well he one of my favorite jd stories that he told was the marion barber game and he told the story about being in the elevator with jerry angelo and jerry being like jeff why didn't he just go down and like <laughs> I'm not I'm doing a disservice like Jamie's telling the story I'm sure it was at dinner somewhere on the road and like just talking about how Jerry Angelo's like just pleading to JD why what it was Mary and Barber thinking and those uh those those impressions that he did uh he did his so Dan tweeted this earlier yeah. but his, his tweet which was and Emma gets credit for finding this it was December 18, 2017. He wrote, yes. Bears coach John Fox doesn't have updates on anything. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect, JD, because he was being professional and telling you exactly what we learned at the press conference while also showing his absolute contempt yeah. for John Fox. And so, we, it just, so, I so Kevin, it and laughed. <laughs> I want to give somebody the assignment over the next, you can take three months if you need to, but going through the entirety of JD's Twitter account for 10 years and finding all these gems that we could put on a poster somewhere, because I would pee my pants laughing. I was laughing when I saw that one this morning, there was another one that Zach Zaidman sent out and it was just at Zach Zaidman, delete your account. And right above (laughs) it was Zach's tweet, which said, Mike Glennon stands tall in the pocket. <laughs> Which was just the classic interaction between those two, where it's just like it could not have been more vintage. I and mean, you just know there's hundreds of those in that account that somebody that doesn't have a lot of work to do, probably some of you guys at the athletic, can go through and dig, <laughs> dig up and find. I remember that one, the, the tweet about Fox, late 17 sitting next to him in that meeting room. And I almost lost it. I was completely lost it because I knew exactly what he was thinking, what was going through his head. And, and that one stuck with me still. That, that one came to me last night just because I, I remember that moment. Just It's just vintage JD. <laughs> and it was still true. Like it was, that was a factual trait, a tr- tweet. It was, he, he did not have an update on anything. So, yeah. Adam, how about how about last Wednesday when I told JD that I ran into Foxy here in Florida and uh, I told him the story how uh, we were at this like boat bar, like this dive boat bar. And this 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 guy is like, hey, I know, you know, I know everybody in the bar. Who do you want to know? And I was just like, whatever, whatever. And he goes, yeah, Brian Urlacher, he's got a boat over here. And he goes, you know, Brian Urlacher. I'm like, yeah, I know Brian Urlacher. He's like, I got his number. It's right here. I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it too. I go, that's okay. He goes, what about John Fox? You know, John Fox. I'm like, yeah, I know John Fox. And he goes, he's right there. And I go, oh shit. I got to put my sunglasses on. I got no makeup on. I'm like, I got to go say hi to Foxy because he's one of the reasons I was so frustrated with that beat in that season. So I walk over and I'm telling JD, 
And Adam's sitting there in the, in the room too. I said, uh, you know, I go over and I'm like, John, hey, you know, they'll let anyone in here. And he's just kind of looking at me like, oh, hey, hey, yeah, 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 you're right. You're okay. And I said, um, you know, so, you know, what's going on? He's like, oh, these are my kids. These are, and he's going on and on. I talked to him for 15 minutes. I'm quite sure he had no idea who I was. He was so wasted. He had been on his boat all day with his family. The girls are dancing in their bikinis at this bar. <laughs> They're like three sheets to the wind. They were wasted. And I'm telling the story like I'm telling you guys right now. And I look over and JD is just going. Foxy. We all know that expression. We all know that. Peggy, were you Peggy, were you and Marco? Yeah. Yeah, we both we bought a place here last year. Oh, got oh, awesome! We were my wife and kid and I were down there uh, a little bit south of Marco, and we were on a boat with the captain that we know. And he was like, "Did you know that uh, Brian Erlacher had a boat? Has a boat down here?" We said, "Yeah," and he started telling us about the boat. And then he said, "Did you know that John Fox has a boat down here?" It's got to be the same captain. <laughs> it might be uh, yeah uh but yeah but they were telling us about john fox and that their scouting report on john fox was no different than the one you just gave yeah my favorite peg my favorite part of you telling that story though um was when you were telling it to jd all i could think about is like we joke around about what would happen if we ever ran into john fox and marco island that's the story we joke around about, but it actually happened to you. Like exactly how I would write it if it was fiction, but it was, it, but it actually happened. And I swear to God, I was like, everyone kept telling me, you know, John Fox is here. John Fox is here. John Fox is here. I'm like, all right. All right. Well, it's a small Island. I knew eventually I was going to run into him. Oh my God. It, it lived up to it. Everything I thought it would be, which ended up to be nothing. <laughs> <laughs> which was pretty much his time in Chicago. So <laughs> you remember Peg, you remember the lovey when lovey pulled JD in a, in a meeting room and start and started arguing with him. Do you yeah. remember that story? Yeah. And it was like, I don't kind of want to say everything that happened in it, but it was like, lovey was really giving it to him and, and really, and said something really weird to him. And JD kind of gave it back to lovey and, you know, and enough so that lovey was kind of like, okay, okay. You know, I got it. And then the word filtered around to all the players that JD kind of stuck up, you know, against Lovey because Lovey, you know, has this rep amongst people that don't know him because, you know, Peanut loves him and Lance and Brian, but the rest of the guys on the team, not so much because he would call mm -hmm. them in the office and kind of threaten them with stuff and, you know, with mm -hmm. their contracts and playing time. So I, I, I remember that day and a lot of guys on the team were like really impressed with JD that he kind of gave it back to him that day right back he got called into the principal's office that was the right. notorious principal's yes. office getting called into lovey's office yeah i remember guys i remember des clark gave me the description of what it was like yeah as i said this this morning at eight o'clock like the idea of all of what has come out today on so many different platforms and stations and everything else like jd would have hated today hated. for himself right like, <laughs> he, he would have he would have tried to cut this off you know four minutes after it started saying guys come on like let's let's just talk about something else for a little while and you know initially you feel kind of awkward because you know how much he didn't want that spotlight and like i said there, there's not a drop of self-absorbed blood 
in his body. And yet, like, I think for all of us, it's just such an awesome way to remind all of us what his energy was and what it, it meant to not just this group, but like, what's cool for me, I've known Jeff since 1997 at university of Illinois. So I know a whole different pocket of his crew from university of Illinois. He's obviously got his radio family. He's got the bears beat family. He's got his ESPN nation. Family. And it, it, like, one of the things I was thinking this morning was how many different three, if you took JD's phone right now and went through it, how many different threads is he in? Right. Like yeah. it's gotta be like a thousand with the number of people that are, are in different threads with them. And it's just, it's just mind blowing. I think the GoFundMe, the last time I checked was that like, it was knocking on the door of seven hundred thousand dollars, yes, right? yeah. like on barely a, a day old, and then you see, you know, like Jim Irsay <laughs> contributing twenty five <laughs> grand out of great generosity. Dan Eddie's Snyder head would have spin, <laughs> spun off his neck if we told him last week that Dan Snyder and Jim Irsay had just given <laughs> and, his family twenty five thousand dollars. I thought about like, that. <laughs> I thought about that today. I like, I saw that you know Jim Irsay donated that. And now is like someone who works for the Colts. My first instinct was to text JD and be like, can you believe this generosity? This like, I can't do that. And that like, that was like one of those, one of those like little moments of like, I want to text JD this. <laughs> like, I mean, he would be like, JJ, he would totally be like, look at all these owners of teams trying to be the biggest swing and dick in the room. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. That is that JD would just be like, really? This is what they're now. This is, but you know what? In the end, it's all for a good thing. So that's, <laughs> yes. So no, that's I, okay. Pe Pe Peggy, I texted somebody a screen, a, uh, an emoji of a ruler earlier because <laughs> I thought that that's what the owners were trying to do. So yes, God bless you chef. for saying it out loud. Um, no, and it was, you know, would he like, he'd hate all of this. Like, Every bit of it. I mean, when we would ask him how he was, he would give us a, an overtly positive answer and then ask about our kids playing t-ball or, or how our wives were. Or he was far more interested in that than he wanted us to be in him. And the fact that people have never met him, have made grand statements about their families about him, I think would make him... I <laughs> drive him crazy, <laughs> and and I like you said the outcome's great, but uh, but it'd be very awkward. You know, guys, I I hadn't really looked at this until now. The, the GoFundMe thing, JJ. I, I I don't know if you've been there long enough. I know Jim a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's it's genuine with him. Oh, it is. Yeah. With Ursa, no, I mean, it is. You know, Snyder's a total dick, and and, he, and he's the opposite. You know, the guy that you. But what really just struck me. The one, two, three, four, five, seventh biggest donations here just happened in the last hour. Five thousand dollars from Andy Dalton and five thousand yeah. dollars from Anthony Rizzo, and and and, mm -hmm. and I suspect JD would feel good about that. Yeah, you know, because and I think especially Dalton. I you know I, I don't pretend to know the guy well, but um, you know that's making an impact on somebody. You know, and I think it's the story that's making an impact on him because you know how well could Andy know? you know, JD, because we don't know anybody in, in his last you see, years, you know, do you guys see, the story spread to like people.com. There's a story on people.com. Like they wrote about it. You know, I, I have to imagine one of the morning shows like today's show or good morning America is going to, is going to have something on it, to be honest. I mean, it's that the, the story, like Hub said, it is, is huge. I can, can you imagine JD yeah. flipping on GMA from up, from up, upstairs and going, 
<laughs> Jeff Dickerson has gone viral on him. Being like, what's, what's, going, what's going on here? Good morning, America. I think one of the things. Can you, uh, Adam Hogue, can you tell your uh, Andy Dalton story from uh, Dick Sporting Goods? Sure, I can, but I know Hub just wanted to say something there. So, Hub, go ahead. Well, no, I, yeah. I just I think one of the things that might make JD feel the best about all this is, is I keep looking at, at this GoFundMe thing, and I'm thinking about Parker and, and um, the opportunity of who Parker is going to have to be, and and the lessons that he's going to take from this, um, uh, and and what he's able to make of it, and what he does make of it. Um, I mean, there's nothing good or exciting about this, but but I, I, that's a terrible word. But I'm just really excited right now, thinking about who Parker might be, and anxious to see who he who he is. You know, and and I suspect it's going to be great because you look at his role models. You know, and um, uh, you know I can't imagine how tough this is for him and what he's going through right now. Um, but but. But this GoFundMe thing sets up the opportunity for the beginning of an incredible story because he's going to have the chance to be, um, you know, whoever he chooses to be. And 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 knowing how he was brought up and, you know, who his parents were, um, that's something to look forward to, I think. I don't know if you've brought this up, Hub, but obviously you're behind the efforts to re- rename the Good Guy Award after Jeff, which could not be a more appropriate thing in the world. And the fact that mm-hmm. it's coming at this time of the year where we're about to give that award out, maybe you can speak to that for a second, because I just think that's, I mean, can, can you guys think of a, a more worthy person was, to be attached awesome. to that award? <laughs> it just, you know, Adam. What a great idea. Well, Adam and I exchanged a couple emails a couple of weeks ago, and and you know when when this all hit yesterday, I'm sitting here last night and thinking, well, you know, I didn't know anything about the financial side of it. I remember you know hearing Jeff saying, oh, there's life insurance, don't worry about it. I, I got the sense that money was never really a concern is, um, but it, it just kind of I was sitting here thinking about it last night. It came to me, this is a no brainer. Uh, I mean, is is there a more obvious opportunity for us or something to do here. And, and I will tell you, I have not heard back from anybody, but I've heard back from most of the group and one after another, absolutely great idea. I mean, there's enough of a consensus. Um, uh, and I already know the bears are, you know, fully supportive of it. And so I just, you, you never know what the appropriate timing with all of this is. And we're going to present the award next week. I was going to let you guys know probably on Friday, but yeah, it's going to happen. I mean, everybody's 100% supportive of it. And, and that will, you know, I think I said something in the email that will live in that room, you know, for as long as that room is there. And mm-hmm. it's a small thing, but, but, but it's a real thing. And so, you know, hopefully it's something that, that every one of you, we should all feel good about. You know, I just hope wanna... that so long as we, uh, as either you or I go to the, uh, a trophy shop and actually get it updated. Because oh, that was a given. Behind all that. <laughs> yeah. that, you, you notice I did put in the email, I'm covering the cost. I, you know, I, I didn't expect the bears to do anything about it. I'm probably gonna have to get my hammer and screwdriver and go in there and do it, you know, but it, that's fine. You know, yeah, that, that uh, actually guys, no, I, um, I don't know. I don't think this is, off, well, it's off the record for us on this group. And if it becomes a podcast, screw it. So what? Um, but, but I, I, was live on the radio within 15 minutes of the announcement when I heard from Bears PR. Um, and, and they wanted to, you know, get a couple things straight and make sure they did the right thing. 
And, and so I already took my cheap shot at the family and their, their alleged uh, frugalness. Uh, so I don't, I don't want to, you know, have fun at their expense with this. They, they, everything I've seen, they reached out to a couple of times. They really do want to yeah. do the right thing here. Um, and, and they are to be, you know, respected and competent. Well, and I just want to say something on that real quick too, because, uh, you know, I understand that there was some stuff going on on social media today with, you know, oh, these guys are donating this. Where are the Bears? Where are the Bears? Like, I have been in contact with the Bears a lot over the last couple of weeks, including today, multiple times. Okay. Their concern was that they didn't just want to throw a bunch of money in a pot. They wanted to do something that had an impact that is really, really meaningful for Parker specifically. Um, you know, and that extends to individual people in the organization. Like I know you heard, everyone heard what Matt Nagy had to say today in his press conference, but you know, I was talking to Ryan Pace in Seattle on Sunday and it's like, what can we do specifically? You know, not just throw money at a thing. Um, so I can just assure you the Chicago bears heart on this one is genuine and this is not going to be something where JD's just not in the media room next year and Parker's forgotten. Like that's, it's just not going to happen. Um, and just, yeah, I don't mean to interrupt, but I, I just it, it, forget football. Yeah. The McCaskey family, what we know of, of, of Matt, what we know of Ryan, these people get family. Okay. And, mm-hmm. and that to them, everything I've heard from, that's what this is. This is about family. This isn't about anything between any of us. There's no, you know, we're not on opposite sides of this, I guess is the only way to say it. I'm sorry. You want to, wait, Adam, can I say one thing real quick? Sure. Go. Um, and and I, I agree with you. And you know, my wife was like, why haven't the bears donated yet? She was kind of tracking. I'm like, don't worry about the bears. They, yeah. this yeah. is not, I mean, like that's one thing you can, you can count on they're they're actually they're good people there. They might not run a great football team, but they, they do run a good they they do care about people. But I was talking, you know, I was over at his house um two Sundays ago and then I went out of town and that's when he went back to when he went to hospice. And I was talking to Parker and we were he was Parker, this is just a funny story. You know, the Bears had reached out when when Caitlin died, right? And Parker, I know, was at training camp and I, you know, I met everyone and Parker told me, he's like, Yeah, you know, I, I was talking to Ryan Pace and I asked him, why did you draft, why did you draft Mitch Trubisky over Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson? <laughs> He's like, he and in his little voice, he goes, he didn't have a good answer. That's <laughs> I was awesome. like, oh, man. I remember JD's face after that, too. I was like, oh, yeah. shit. That's awesome. You know, and, and to that, um, you know, I'm Parker. I just want to share a quick story that um, – Sandy Dickerson, JD's mom told me the other day when I was over there. Um, so this was, this was the, the morning he was going to hospice and Parker was still at school that day. And cause I asked where's Parker. Cause I thought everybody was on winter break. My kids were already on winter break. Um, and it's like, Oh, she's, st- he's still at school. And he, and she says, what's amazing is he went out yesterday and he bought a bunch of Christmas presents for his friends. And, uh, and he just couldn't wait to get there today and give him his, give his friends the presents. And he like, he, he even like went to the Nike store and like bought these Nikes for like two of his buddies. And, and like, they even called the school to be like, Hey, is this okay? Like he's going to bring some Nikes and like, they don't want to like cause a problem at school. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, this is just unbelievable to me. Like this is happening in his life right now. And he's 
thinking about it like that just it just it it just told me like Parker's gonna be okay because he is JD and Caitlin's son. But part of that hog is I mean, do you remember taking the taking the ferry from San Francisco to um uh to what's it called? Uh what's the what's the little town outside? Um we remember we had to we had to sprint to the boat. Yeah, yeah, no, it's you and me, yeah. Yeah, and we had to sprint to the boat. It was uh what's the town on the outskirts of the um um, Oakland. Uh, no, no, the nice. Uh, no, it's very, super nice. Anyway, so we're on a, we're on a ferry. You know, we sprint to a ferry and we're on the ferry. And JD is telling us about how you know, in his one day in San Francisco, he spent the whole morning looking for a Steph jersey or a Steph Curry jersey for his kid, and about how he finally found one online, and it was going to be there by Christmas, and because you know, because Carter or because because he. Parker deserved it. And um, yeah, I don't know. uh, At, you know, I asked Parker, you know, I know Parker loves jerseys and right. We know I've been around all those times when Jay's buying them. And when I was over, I asked him, you know, what jerseys he wants or stuff. And because he always wanted some new ones. And he goes, I I didn't ask for any this year. No. And it just like that really hit me, you know? I remember in uh, Minnesota. That was the New Year's. Uh, Emma does not remember. Emma does not remember that New Year's. Um, <laughs> that New Year's. But uh, he, he had a Timberwolves jersey. Um, there must have been one in San Diego. I know most of the guys here were on the San Diego trip. Um, he brought Caitlin and and uh, Parker on that trip. Is that where Parker taunted Kevin with the shirt off? Like that he had more muscles than Kevin? <laughs> it's- <laughs> What's, what's the swimming pool start? Which he was probably like five at that point. I don't remember the taunting, but Dan can speak to. I'm not sure if it's kosher, but uh, there there was there was a hot tub involving, and Parker was there, and a lot of you know a lot of young people, and Rich and Dan. <laughs> I could probably fill in some gaps of that story. That please do. <laughs> no, it's actually one of my favorite days because if you guys remember that it was a Monday night game, and. I, I know I got there on Saturday for a Monday night game. Uh, Rich got there on Saturday. I think JD did too. And we, we spent all of Sunday. I mean, you, you've got a lot of time to kill in San Diego, a great place to kill time. Right. And, and so we went to the pool at the grand Hyatt and Parker was bouncing all over the pool that day. Um, you know, it's one of, it's probably the longest I ever spent with Caitlin and, and had an opportunity to just kind of like really speak to her. And then, and you see like instantly, okay, this makes sense. You know, JD and Caitlin make a ton of sense. And, you know, it started getting from mid-afternoon to late afternoon to early evening. And Parker was having just such a great time out there by the pool, hanging out with all of us. And Caitlin's like, well, Jeff, you know, like, you think we should maybe start to go up and get ready? And, and he's like, I don't know. Parker's having a great time down here. Like, let's let's just go with the flow here. And he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go get a 12 or a Corona. We're going to go up to the hot tub over there. And we're just going to sit up there for a little while until we get hungry. And so out comes the 12 or a Corona. Maybe, maybe it was two buckets. I think it was like two silver buckets of Corona. Kev goes up there, you know, we're up there and Parker's just sitting on the edge of the hot tub with the Pacific ocean in the back. Everyone in the hot tubs drinking beer, except Parker. And, and as Kev mentioned, there was like 20 strangers and Parker was just doing a common hour up there and telling stories. And, and Jeff was just like, you know, like, we're not going to, we're not going to end this until Parker is no longer having fun up here. And like Rich and I are like, well, we're never going to stop having fun up here. So like Parker's staying in, up here until it's 10 o'clock and they kick us out of here because we're being too loud. 
I think you guys, I think Parker is a really special kid that was born into something. He's meant to do something different that is going to, you know, I think JD and Caitlin were kind of launchers for him. And um, I mean, you think about his entire life, the way JD would talk about him and, I think Parker's on his own path and I think Park Parker's going to be fine. I think about him at Caitlin's services all the time and this kid, he's going to be okay. You know, Adam, he was, JD was telling us last Wednesday when I said, how is Parker? He's like, Parker's fine. Parker's going to be just fine. He's going to be fine. You know, and you think, Oh man, this is so sad, but there is something else going on here. There's another force at, at bay that Parker is going to be fine. I, Parker's meant f- for other things to happen in his life. And I think Parker, that, um, this is the beginning. Parker is meant for the world's greatest Tom Rinaldi interview when he's a first round draft pick in major league baseball. <laughs> you know, and to that point, Peggy, I, I'm very fortunate to have a, a just a mutual friend from living in Vernon Hills who I've coached with that um, is very was with Parker today actually, and he told me a similar thing, you know, and just that, and, and he and he said this, which is I think important too over the next week, especially you know we're all worried about Parker and we're always going to be worried about Parker and we're all going to be there for Parker. Parker's still here, and he just said. Parker's going to be fine. I was with him today. He wanted to go to Dave and Buster's. He wanted to, you know, he, he, he wanted to play Fortnite and, um, he's still a kid and there's going to be plenty of time to be there for Parker. Let's just, it's okay to, to mourn JD too right now. And, um, you know, it's, it, I think they go hand to hand and it's kind of all together, but, um, just kind of that, that hit me today. Um, it's something to keep in mind. And, Part of the reason why I wanted to do this, and I'm glad we're all here because this is just doing this right now and being on the Zoom call together. I mean, this is JD. Like he brought us all together. He he just did. He it it's it's kind of what we started with this whole thing with, and um, I just I, th- I think that's I think uh, I was texting with Dan earlier about this. It's just you know I thought I was ready for this. I thought I was prepared. But once that void became official, like it was really there, then it's just like staring at the Grand Canyon, like, like fuck, it's real, and and uh, and I don't like I don't even know how I'm gonna go to the press box this weekend. I have no idea. Um, sorry not to bring you guys down. I just I it's um it just hurts to not have have them there. I'm I'm kind of glad we're on Zoom right now for the rest of the season for the Bears because I don't want to go in that media room. Like <laughs> on Zoom, you don't you, you can't even tell who's there and who's not in the media room. You're gonna notice forever that JD's not there. And uh, yeah, I, I I went to practice today and it was me and one other guy and I was just I was ready to sob and because there was just one other person, it was okay and. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know, pulling it, even just pulling into that dumb parking lot made me, made me sad. And the next time all of you guys do it, I, I think it's going to be sad too. I, I can speak from someone who's, you know, removed from it, but 
I've been looking forward to the combine next year for months because I wanted, I wanted another JD dinner. You know, we didn't get that last year and I didn't get that the year before that. Cause my kids were just born and they were, you know, a month old and to not be able to get that, to not be able to sit at a table with JD and, you know, do all the things that we've been talking about with him getting the wine and I got the wine and, you know, go to St. Elmo's or hearing Izzy's if we can't get into St. Elmo's and to not have that. I mean, that's going to be a void that will never be filled. Going to miss, I already have missed because he hasn't been there for a little bit. Uh, Adam and Kevin, you could talk about this. The, the reactions that JD would have watching Parker over his phone or, or, or iPad, like, the football games and you know you could always tell if it was going bad or going well because you know forget the, the why we were all there at, at soldier field but like he was just trying to be a dad when he couldn't be there and you know with the technology now with zoom and all this you know he's, he's watching his son play baseball he's tracking his his son's hitting he, he would always like th- th- like last year i sat next to him and like he would always show me like you know, he's up to bat right now. And forget what was happening on the field, but he was locked into his phone on Game Changer, like watching his son at bat, you know, or, you know, they'd be cheering in the press box. It was a lot of JD was cheering on Parker because it happened. Wasn't all cheering. No, it wasn't. <laughs> was all- do you guys remember we went to, do you guys remember when, it, when Parker played in New Lenox when uh, we were in Bourbon A? So this would have been our this would have been 2019, um, our last our last trip down there. And Parker happened to be playing a tournament in New Lenox, which is like from Bourbon A. That's like 35 minutes. Um, and we all were like, "Well, we gotta go." I mean, he, he you know, and I'll I'll never forget because I don't know at that point. I know I had been a couple of Parker's games, but I don't know if there's something about that tournament because I feel like there was a lot at stake. Wasn't it like a trip to like Florida at stake? Yeah, the, it was an it was like an all star tournament, and the top like two kids from each all star team go to like the next all star game. Yeah, it was like a, it, there was a lot at stake here for <laughs> for like almost to the point where I'm like, it feels like a lot of pressure right now. Like like what's going on? And JD's just like pacing, like uh, and and um. Oh, ho, we didn't talk to JD like the whole time. No, we didn't. And like a little brother um of uh of. One of Parker's friends who plays on the team is there, and I happen to be his coach in Vernon Hills. So he's there, and he just wants to play catch with me. So I'm like, I'm just playing catch with one of the kids, and and there's like this this anxiety kind of looming over the whole thing too at the same time. And um, it was just kind of an eye opener of just how much he cared about those games. And I'll share this one too because this was in May of this year, and they're playing nearby in Lincolnshire. And, uh, you know, God bless JD. You know, he comes out to my son's first game of the season. Um, just him and Parker show up just, you know, because something, you know, and he's got like, like Parker doesn't have seven games a day as it is. He comes to James's game, his little T-ball game. So we go out to, uh, Parker's game and they're playing in Lincolnshire. And, uh, I, you know, I hate to say it, like Parker came in the pitch and I don't remember what the exact score was. It was like seven to nothing or something. But all of a sudden it was eight to seven. And and Parker gets taken out of the game and he goes in the dugout and he just chucks his mitt. I mean, like just chucks it in the dugout. 
And by the way, JD, this was a week where he was having chemo. Like he was hooked up to his chemo and I could just tell from being around him, like he wasn't feeling that great. And, um, and so he, Parker has his little fit in the dugout and JD starts walking that way. Like doesn't even look at us. Nothing. Just beeline. He's walking towards the dugout and I go, Oh no. Oh no. And he gets to the dugout and he keeps walking. It was like, it was like, like a cooler heads prevailed or something. Like he didn't even acknowledge Parker. He just kept walking and I have no idea where he went. Maybe he went to the bathroom for five, 10 minutes. I have no idea, but he came back and he had cooled off and it was all good. Um, I just, it, it, it just like stuck with me. It was like, Oh no, what's about to happen? What's going to happen? And it was like, okay, everything's fine. Every, every, everyone's fine. That's just how much those games mattered to him. And, uh, but not like in a negative way because he was, I can just tell you from being around it, there's, there's a lot of problems right now in youth sports. And I don't bring that up to like highlight any of the problems. JD was so supportive, everything around there. It's, it's all genuine. It's all good, but there's still like the amount he cared was unbelievable to me. God, Adam, I really wish you had told us that he like went off and, and cracked Parker and it was like a scene and everyone had to pull him off of him. I was worried for a second. I was worried for a second. None of us can live up to JD right now. None of us. I mean, here's the reality. If any of us were gone tomorrow, we ain't getting the shit that JD is getting. So. <laughs> like there is no way anyone is saying all this great stuff and is going to raise three quarters of a million dollars. And, and for that, I would walk up to JD and be like, you shit. I hate you for that because right now you didn't get to grow old and be a crusty old man. You know, you like, this is good. And that's where I'm going to like, before I sign off, I just want you guys to know, like, I'm joking, of course, but that's what I'm going to remember is that we don't know when our time is up and to have someone like Jay, who was such a positive is really blessing for all of us. And it's a blessing for me. I'm happy. I'm pissed at him though, because He's making all of us look really shitty, uh, but because there ain't no way anyone's going to say this good stuff about me. So Peggy, I've it's, heard, uh, there's people at NBC five that said they'll give you like a 45 second package. <laughs> when you're off, so. you're set. <laughs> that is, that's pretty much true. That might be about <laughs> as close as we get. I, I, I mean, I, I am joking. I do. I love this man so much because uh, that he brought us all together and, um, you know, he showed us that you can really be a good person. Adam brought that up. Yeah. A, a big, I, I've been pretty much one of the first ones in the press box this year for whatever reasons. I'm old and difficult and don't want to deal with traffic. And, and, and Jeff would usually be one of the first ones to come in after me. And it would be to set up his phone and to get ready because one of Parker's games was being streamed. And, you know, we'd exchange pleasantries and, and you know, all the good stuff and whatever. And, and I would be trying to get some work done. But I, I was I would be out of the corner of my eye. It was like two seats over watching Jeff glued to this game. And and I got to tell you, you know, because he, he would cheer and he'd do a little play by play, you know, and oh, you know, Parker just and, and with anybody else, it, honestly, it probably would have been a little annoying. But 
and I was one late to the party. I did not realize until, you know, somewhat recently how bad things were. Um, and, and with, without knowing that because it was Jeff, it, it, there was something that was so joyous and pure about it. And, and I, I couldn't be upset or bothered by it. I couldn't be mad. And, and, um, and now, you know, knowing what was going on, um, it was just stunning to me, you know, the, the he, you know, Peg, he is what we wish we were. It, it's not just, yes. yeah, I mean, that, that is who, who he was. And, and so, yes. um, you know, guys, I'm going to apologize. I'm going to have to, uh, we got all the grandkids here. I've got five of them between eight and three, and I got them all down just before we came on. And they're all going to be jumping on my head at six in the morning. Um, so I, I, just, I just, Adam, thank you so much for doing this. And, um, you know, I, I think the one thought that I just kind of want to leave tonight with is that, if there is one thing that I think might upset JD right now, people ask me all the time, you know, why are you still doing this? What do you need this shit for? Especially this season, you, you know? And, um, you know, the, the, the truth is I'm probably at the point the last couple of years where I could live without, you know, some of the football and some of the bears, but, but I, I just would miss being part of this group, you know, really. And, and um, what, what everybody brings to it, what you all bring to it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, and what Jeff brought to us. So, uh, you, you know, I think that's probably the, the, you know, the one thing that, that he's missing a little bit now too. Um, and he's there taking care of all of us and making sure um, that, that, that we're going to be okay and he's going to be okay. And uh, I didn't want to leave like this, but thank you. Thank you, Adam. I'm going to see you guys. Have a good night. Bye. Thanks, Al. Bye. Peggy. Peggy, the last time I think we all had a glass of wine with oh. you was 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 when I, I think we went to lunch uh, before, uh, in the middle of JD's wife's funeral. We yes. went to wild, yeah. we went to wildfire. We yes. went to wildfire. You're right, and yeah. and and I just I, I hate to think that the, that the next time we see you will be under a similar circumstance, but but I I, I do think that JD would. If anything would embody what JD embodied around us, it would be bringing us all together um, in the name of him and in the name of telling fun stories and, and trying to trying to make sense of all this. Pat, when you mentioned the uh, parking lot, it made me think of a very quick, funny JD story. We all know he drove that that Escalade, right? Yep. And you know, JD loved nice things. And he wanted everybody else to be able to have nice things. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting to the parking lot, like my first year on the beat, around the same time as JD. I'm 25, single, living in Lakeview in a tiny apartment. And I get out of the car and I see JD gets out of Escalade. He's like, hey, Kev. And I was like, oh, I, I, and I, I kind of noticed his car. And he goes, you've got to get yourself one of these, man. He's like, <laughs> 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 he's like breaking down his kids escalate to me and tell me all the things about how I need to, here I am. I need to go get this escalate. He, he did. He like, I don't know who it was. It said, I think Rich said it on the radio today, but how many people here have heard JD talk about Aruba and you have to go to Aruba. Like yep. yes. Carmen DeFalco was talking today about it too. Like that was, he wanted people to go on vacation like he was so if you said hey you know, i'm gonna be so and so here for a week he would always say good great good for you where are you going what are the places you're gonna be at yep. tell me everything about it next trip go to aruba 
Yep. So I have to chime in on this because Kev, I think you might've actually been there in the press box. So Krista and I are going to Aruba in February. Um, and I don't know, maybe subconsciously it was because of him. I, I'm not really sure. It was just where we decided to go, but I could not wait to get to the press box the next day after we had booked the trip. Cause this was just a couple months ago. Uh, and I could not wait to get there and say, Hey, we're going to Aruba. And with not kidding, within 30 seconds, I had an email in my inbox of JD's like travel guide of Aruba that he sends to everybody who goes to Aruba. He had it ready. He's like, Oh my God. He's sitting there. Like, oh my God. I got to send you this email. And he's like, type, 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 bam. It's in my inbox. And it's just like this long list of things to do in a in Aruba. And, uh, I mean, look, it's now I'm really glad we're going there and I, it's going to be hard too, but like I am going to Aruba in February with my wife without the kids, which he would also say, no kids, no, you got to go. No kids, no kids. Yeah. And what he would also say to me and you know, it's going to, it's going to be really hard on the bank account because he would always say, he would always say, spend your money on experiences and eat well, dine well. Um, so uh, you know, I can't wait to go and I'm going to follow that email to a T because um, that's where he loved to go with Caitlin. And um, yeah, anyway, this is, <laughs> I just can't believe you had that ready to go. Bam, I'm going to Aruba. You're going, you, here it is. I'm going to, I'm going to sign off. And before I do, I, 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 I said this on the radio, this is going to get me emotional, but um <laughs> Sorry, guys. When I had decided to retire early, um, JD was the only reporter who said to me, do it, do it. He's like, go live your life. He's like, you got kids, you got money. He's like, go drink good wine, go travel. He's like, I would do it now if I could. And you know why I didn't want to? Because of this. Because of the camaraderie. It wasn't the deadlines. It wasn't the players. It wasn't the teams. I loved being in the media room. I loved the camaraderie. And JD knew that. And he said, go live your life. He's like, I would have done it in a second. He goes, I would do it tomorrow if I could. I have never forgotten that because when I decided to do it and I really like, I didn't have to, um, you know, he was right. He was right, you guys. And I just like, for everyone here, you know, we all have, we have great moments together. We have great times together and we all have these memories in the back of our head that like remind us of something. And, um, you know, JD always told me that. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, God, was that the right thing? Should I still do it? Why the fuck am I doing a shitty podcast? I'm like, <laughs> but you know, yeah, go live your life. You guys. Seriously. Go by the way, life. But why am I doing a shitty why am I doing a why am I doing a shitty podcast is the refrain of every sports writer in the world. Just so you know. 
Except the Hogan right? Johns podcast. Right. And, that's that's good one. and that's why that's you're all here right now. That's the good one. I mean, seriously, sorry. I didn't mean to bring everyone down, but I do just want you to like, it was so prophetic that he said that. And um, yeah, you know what, guys, like when you're in the throngs of the shit of the job, like just remember, it's just a job. It's just a job. There's a life out there. Go enjoy. Adam, go go spend more money than you should on that vacation. Honestly, that's what life is about. Because when you come back, you laugh about that. And then you just have to work extra hours, like whatever, you know, pay it off. But I miss you guys terribly. I am I am forever grateful to Kevin and Adam. I, I've told you guys this. Thank you. Thank you, Peggy. We love you. It's been awesome having you on here. Thank you so yeah, much. Peg. I got to jump off to you guys. All right, guys. Um, I got to get All right. some. Thank See you. Ya. You know, there's just a couple things, and I want to make sure. I've, thanks, John. I want to make sure everyone has their chance to say anything else if they want to. Um, but just coming off Peggy's story, I had a similar thing because summer I was um really struggling between I started coaching at Carmel in the, in the spring and it was really intended to just be like kind of a spring thing. And, um, I just loved it so much. I wanted to keep doing it and I knew I couldn't with my family, um, unless I gave up Northwestern and, um, every single person I talked to, including Jason McKee, our head coach, at Carmel was like, oh, you got to do Northwestern. I mean, yeah, you got to keep doing that. And uh, JD was the one person do Carmel. He's like, you can have a million media jobs. What does that do? Do something different. You know, have an impact on on kids and their lives and get see a different side of football. Uh, we were out on his patio which is a whole different story of that damn patio that he's been texting us all photos of all year, um, which in just a cruel twist of shittiness didn't get finished until November when uh, he finally got the, the outdoor kitchen done and it's, you know, 30 degrees out or whatever. Um, and uh, we we're just hanging out there with, with James and Parker and, uh, and that was it. I mean, that was to me, he, we all know the credibility he had as a reporter, but the credibility he had as a friend trumped that. It was, you know, like you believed him. If he's telling you to do that, you, I'm like, okay. I mean, you know, and there's more that went into it, obviously talking to my wife and stuff like that, but it just really stuck with me. And um, I'm glad, Pe- I'm glad Peggy told that story too. I mean, retirement's a whole different um deal much bigger deal but it just just impacts like that that i'll let it just it it, it kind of like creates these little roads within your life right and that's kind of i think why we all feel this void right now i mean i can the you know before i sign off um jd is one of the biggest reasons why i am still in the business in a sense i mean I got laid off by NBC in January. 
after I, you know, tweeted it, one of the first people to call me was JD. And, you know, it was, how you doing? I can't believe they did this. How you doing? How's Betsy doing? And then it was, all right, here's who you got to talk to. And like, I, like JD maybe had known for three minutes and he was like, here's Jim Phillips number, you know, call him. And I mean, Jim Phillips, he's in like his last week as Northwestern's AD. I'm like, there's no way he's taking my call. I, you know, shoot him a text immediately, five minutes later. Oh yeah. Any, any friend of JD is a friend of mine. Like let's find a time. And, you know, at this point, the opportunity with the Colts had started to present itself. And I talked with Jim and Jim encouraged me to think about working for a team and working for a university, you know, you got kids, uh, you know, having them grow up around that, you know, has really been special to me, you know, a lot of that stuff. So I took the job and one of the first people I texted was JD and two things JD sent me after that. I still have these text messages. The first one was you can stay in Chicago, right? Me? No. JD. All right. So you're going to live by rich, right? Well, Rich and I now live like nine minutes away from each other down the road. We got a, we went to go watch the Bears Steelers game at a bar over here in my neighborhood. And I think I sent it to, you know, you and Adam and Kevin and Pat and Emma, a photo of us cheersing at the end of that game when Cassius March got kicked out and like, well, we don't have to write about this. But the second thing that JD did was he's like, here's Mike Wells's number. Go text him. If you ever need anything, Wells is the best. Like JD had already helped me. He guided me to this spot. And then he was like on top of that, you know, um, I don't know if I had that phone call with Jim Phillips, if I would have been like, you know, all in on taking a, a job with the team, but I am, and I love this job. And I just, I wish I could tell JD how much I love it right now. Cause he played a big part in this and I miss everyone in Chicago doing this zoom, seeing all your guys' faces is, uh, really comforting, but I just wish JD was on this call. I, um, my, I remember checking in about a month or so ago and doing the, you know, how you doing, how you holding up. And he can't remember the exact wording, but he put a positive spin on it. And then he made some comment about Ryan Null because that's, uh, so <laughs> you'd expect him. JD and for me, the memories you go back to my first year on the beat in 2015, where you know I grew up around here and I followed the Bears and I knew everybody, all of you guys who have been, I think every one of you, maybe with the exception of uh, Berman, I think was here prior to me arriving on the beat. And I was intimidated because I was what Kevin said he was 25, I think I was 25 as well when I first started. And um, I, I, I sat down next to JD in that cubicle for seven years and, the, you know, that, um, other people were a little bit more, uh, careful trying to get to know me and a little slow. And, uh, JD from day one was just like, just a friend. It, it just blew me away. It made it so easy. Any kind of, um, any kind of hesitation or, uh, you know, anxiety I may have had going into this job was just gone because of him and his presence and he was the same person every day every freaking day is the same person no matter how challenging life got for him how many things he had to deal with from Caitlin's battles for what, seven years and then becoming a single father and then this pastor dealing with it himself and 
the same upbeat person constantly telling you everything was going to be all right. And then asking about you, caring about you and caring about others. And he just made everybody around him better. And I, I keep thinking about it today. And I, I, you know, I was up in uh, Wisconsin this morning and I did the drive back and I just, I was listening to just Callie's paying tribute and just, I, I, I couldn't hold it in. It was a four hour car ride that just, I, I couldn't do it. It was, it was so tough just because the, the stories, it just, it captured the person that everybody knows and loves. And it just, the, I keep coming back. I was texting with Berman about this earlier. I, I think Parker is going to be okay. And it's what we were talking about earlier. I know we all have that in mind, but selfishly for every one of us, the presence and the love that we had from JD, I can't imagine just moving forward without that on this job. I'm going to be a mess on Sunday. I, I'm sure others will as well. And, Whoever said it, the first time we walked back in that house media room, oh, shit, I just, I can't imagine it. To be fair, Emma, you're going to be a mess because you have to watch Nick Foles play Mike Glennon. Mike Glennon. <laughs> you know, Mike Ber- Mike Berman from NBC5 is here, too. I just want to make sure he has a chance to say say something. I know you've been sitting here listening for a while, Mike. Hey, he's got a, he's got such a good voice. It'd be a shame if he didn't, know, right? Why? <laughs> because my four month old is upstairs, and my three year old's just up off over here. But I'm uh, honored to have been invited. Thanks, Hogue, for forwarding me the email, and um, I'm I'm just, was just happy to listen because, um, you know, you guys have amazing stories on the road with JD and it makes me so jealous that, you know, I don't get that opportunity to be there for multiple nights and hanging out like that. Um, that camaraderie is, it's like one, it's something I remember from my time working in Austin and we, we'd go for the Longhorns games and, you know, we'd go out in the college towns and go have nice dinner and, you know, have way too many drinks the night before a game and stuff like that. Anyways, just like stuff that the way we travel now doesn't allow me to do anyways. Um, I'm, I'm just, uh, honored, honored that, uh, I had an opportunity to know Jeff and he, uh, he was welcoming to me, you know, at 2016 was my first season. He was so welcoming to me. His, uh, really good friend, Mike is married to, um, a, a girl that I was friends with growing up, Casey. So like we had that connection and, um, but it's like, you don't need to have a connection with him. He's, he's, he's going to bring you in and, you know, wrap you in his arms and make you feel like part of the crew, no matter what. So, um, it's just, uh, an unthinkably unfair hand that Parker's been dealt and, it's hard to see a, a peer, you know, someone your age uh, get sick like this and pass away and someone who was so full of life and had so much more coming down the road. Um, it makes you want to do all you can to honor them, you know, by living life to the fullest and loving, you know, unconditionally and stuff like that. So. I think that's uh that's what I'll take from JD is is you know the the 
the endless positivity, the desire to have fun, to treat people right, stuff like that. So, um, I, you know, I will, I'll confide in you guys and say in Tampa earlier this year, I think it was a three thir- 320 kick. So, and I always have like three stories I have to knock out. And JD was like, where are you staying? And I told him, he's like, I'm staying there too. Like, let's, let's, let's get together after the game. And I'm like, I'll try, but I know I always have so much shit I have to do. And it just didn't materialize. And that's, that's hard. Cause that would have, that would have been an opportunity to hang with him. I didn't, I really enjoyed our Hogue. I remember you being there at the hotel in London in 2019, just having, having some wine with JD and, you know, my wife was there and, um, um, you know, we talked about Caitlin passing and just, I remember my wife commenting as we walked back up to the room, just like how incredible his strength was the way he was bouncing back and having fun and, you know, just talking about it and saying, it's okay. It's okay. You know, I'll be okay. Um, anyway, sorry for rambling. No, I remember that too, Mike. I mean, uh, and you know, your wife being there, that was, that was one of the things he did. I mean, if, if any of us had family members with us anywhere, it was, uh, yeah, I, I, I still have not gotten the courage to talk to, to James about this. I, cause I, I just, he's at the age where he understands and, um, Parker's daddy not being there. That's just, cause that's what he called him. And, um, but th- you know, just thinking about London and thinking about you being there and thinking about your wife being there and just how much that trip, we kind of started this tonight talking about London and um, how much that trip meant to him because what a shitty year, but to, to get away right for, for four or five days or even less. However, we were there, the bears were there for like 12 hours. That was a good strategy. Um, You know, it, you just could tell while we were there with him how much it meant to him and um i'll just always remember that oh guy oh i brought my my four-year-old came with us and first of all uh, my four-year-old refers to you as james's daddy um but but the fact that i mean i remember jd in the hotel lobby you know squatting down and talking to him for 10 minutes and I think all of us on that trip were, I think we all missed our families. And, and, and I think that what was great about JD was that JD went and, went and grabbed a little boy from my family and, and was, was so great, gracious to him. And, um, and I hate to say it, it might be the last time that my kids saw Jeff and, you know, and he was still, you know, the other day you said you haven't told James about it. I, I told Boone last night, you know, it was just answering the, you know, he asked why his parents were crying. And that's, that was the only thing we can think to tell him. I could say probably 150 things. I'll try to narrow it down to two and a half <laughs> on the close, but 
somebody said earlier, it was either Hogue or Fishbane that JD liked nice things. Right. And I just wanted to make a distinction that he didn't, he didn't make sure it was only nice things because as you guys all know, we uh, had no qualms going over to the mall hibachi in Bourbon A for <laughs> dinner. It didn't require. And, and the, the, the pictures I tweeted out this morning hey, where I said, Jamie that's a nice versatile. thing, by the way, how dare you? That's a nice thing. How dare you <laughs> the, to have had to have had a dinner with Jeff at the Versace mansion. Right. And have enjoyed the, the wine on him, which cost way too much. And then to contrast that with these moments that we had at the Mall Hibachi in Bourbon A and realize you could have the same amount of fun and enjoyment with a guy spraying the, uh, you know, sake out of the squeezed ketchup bottles into your mouth said a lot about who JD was. And, he, you know, like he brought that that group together. I always got a kick out of how the, the next day he would be sort of power ranking the the hibachi chef that we had right and it was like oh that guy last night that guy was great that you know he, he didn't just do the standard what is this a volcano no it's an onion joke you know he, he told it you know and he would he'd be power ranking the different hibachi chefs and you were always rooting for a great hibachi chef at mall hibachi the positivity that everyone mentions about jd it, it just it was ever present in every facet of his life he was positive toward his job he was positive as a husband, he was positive as a father, he was positive as a friend. The positivity that he carried through these last 11 months, fighting a battle that none of us could even fathom to imagine and not ever show any signs of weakness, it gets me like it gets me hard because, you, you know, Mike, you said it's hard for someone to watch someone of our age kind of pass away but jeff didn't deteriorate despite this battle with cancer it was like the the fullness of his life was present in every one of these months down the stretch to those of us that visit him in his house to those who went to hospice to see him he was still the same jeff to the very end and i take great i, I don't know what, what the word is but fulfillment in the fact that he didn't let this thing take him away right he just lived himself to the very end and the presence he had to do that, the presence of mind he had to attack this with that strength is something that I hope we all can apply <laughs> to life going forward. Um, I guess I'll close with this because as many of you know, I lost my dad to cancer in September and, you know, it was the Friday before he passed away and I was sitting with him in his hospital room at Glumberg hospital. And my dad, like Jeff was a presence. He was tough. And he wouldn't feel sorry for himself or cry through any part of his very, very short battle with cancer. And there was one point he was sitting in the recliner in the corner of the room and he had a tear in his eye. I said, what's going on? You know? And he said, I just keep thinking about Jeff and he didn't know Jeff. And they, they only basically only communicated via Twitter, but he was so sad for what Jeff had gone through with Caitlin. And he was so sad that he wasn't going to have this ability to see out the duration of Parker, right? And like to live the life of a father that you should be able to see all these things that your son goes through. And it just, that, that will always stick with me. And it, it's just our reminder, I guess, to just not take any of this shit for granted and to understand that even the, the most vibrant people in the world don't get a choice sometimes. And no matter how tough they are and how, how big the fight is within them, that, that it just comes. And, um, you know, I love JD. It's been 24 years since I, I met him. And it's like, as you said earlier, Hogue, it's just shocking to like process the finality that like, we're not going to hear that voice. We're not going to hear 
the jokes. We're not going to hear the laugh. And I, I, you know, I'm just, I'm thankful for today because really from sun up until, I mean, we're approaching midnight here, people have just spilled it, you know, and <laughs> we should all be so lucky. As Peggy said, we should all be so lucky. Well said, Dan. I, um, if anyone else has anything else I want to say. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about, um, your son, Ryan, because when you would send videos of Ryan's baseball, I think the only person more excited was JD. Like he was so excited. He loved, you know, he loved Parker more than anything. And he was so supportive of Parker's baseball that he became everybody's baseball czar to the point where he was coming to watch me coach. Like I, I, I wasn't coaching my kids. I was just a coach. And for years, he and Par- Caitlin too, they'd come and sit in the bleachers at my team's games. They didn't know any of the kids. They didn't know any of the parents. They just knew me. They'd sit with my dad. And it got to the point where as years went on, JD would follow my team's games on Game Changer. And he'd text me. <laughs> And he'd say, what happened to that last inning, you know, or, or great play by, you know, he'd see, you know, the shortstop. And I had this selfishly sad realization last night when I was with my son that because I think about, I, I always, when, when he was born, you know, JD was so excited because again, he gets so excited for everybody else's enjoyment and, and I was thinking, like, I can't wait to break down travel baseball programs with JD, try to figure out, like, where, you know, where my son's going to play. And, and I know, Dan, you got to enjoy that. Johns, you, you, you tweeted about that. And you know, the, the baseball is such a specific thing. But that was kind of how JD and I really connected. And I would go to Parker's games, and I was so – it's one of those things. Now that I look back at it for the July weekend – uh, my wife and my son and I, we went to go see Parker play. So that was the last time she got to see JD. It was the only time he got to meet my son. <laughs> and I felt like such a, just such an asshole because I didn't realize it was the last inning. <laughs> and Parker was up to bat. And I'm thinking there's like the fourth. I had no idea. And Parker ends up getting the last out of the game. <laughs> and, you know, Parker's very competitive, very competitive. And so I'm just like, oh, yo, that's all right. You know, see what he, he can get another bat. It's the beauty of baseball. JD's just shaking his head. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I, 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 I'm, I know we've talked a lot about the GoFundMe and, and I just hope that people that, that love JD, you know, will, you know, we're all going to be there for Parker as much as we can, but it's, the way that he supported each and every one of us through our interests and the things that were important to us is just something that I will always take with me is what made him so special and want to carry that on and want to, you know, do the same thing for other people that, that he was able to do for all of us. And just to echo what everyone said, like, we are all so lucky that we get to, like, we are so it's, it's the worst possible thing that we can think of. But we're so lucky that we get to we get to sit here and talk about these great memories we have with such an amazing person. With that, I'm actually going to sign off now. So this was great, guys. Thanks for Hope. Thanks for organizing. See you, Gev. Well, Thanks for being by, here, Gev. By Kev, uh, somebody today referred to Jeff as a celebrity, and it was weird because I never thought of 
JD is anything other than JD. But to what Kev said, you know, a celebrity is somebody who enjoys his status in life. And I think Jeff was somebody who enjoyed all of our statuses in life. I mean, uh, one of the things I'm really sad about is that Jeff would have been there to tell me what baseball leagues to enroll my son in, you know, and, you know, when I would tell him how good he was in T-ball and, you know, ball ball and stuff like that, he'd say, well, you don't want to go to this league, you want to go to that one. Um, and he would just encourage all of us to do the things that made us happy. And that's not my definition of a celebrity. That's my definition of uh, some uh, of a friend. And, you know, I, I realized that, you know, he's raised half a million dollars uh, nationally and it's fantastic. But, you know, I hope that everybody realizes that, you know, that those of us who are close to him can, we can help Parker. We can go see, we can go do things that money can't do. And, um, and, and I hope that all of us do a good job of doing that. You, uh, you, you remember like the, like the small little conversations sometime, right? You know, like you always had them with JD about anything and everything. Like he used to bust my balls about liking classic rock too much in, in country. And then like one time in the sideline at training camp, he goes, you know what? You know, Adam, I, I was outside having a beer outside. You know, it's like, I can't do the JD impersonation. Like he's <laughs> having, having a beer outside. And you well, know, so I, was ha- I was having a beer outside, Adam. Yeah. Country music came on and I liked it. I liked it. And I myself, oh, I, 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 Jeff, Jeff Dickerson, JD, I just, I just won you over a little bit here. I think, you know, like, Little conversations like that, you know. We we talk baseball all the time. I'll, I'll always remember him encouraging me to encourage my son to play up, challenge himself. Johnsy, John, didn't it? Johnsy, didn't he bring your kids a baseball bat? Yeah, I, I got his Parker Dickerson's baseball bats are my son's baseball bats now. <laughs> I'm gonna think of JD every single time. Uh, my sons come up the bat. We talked out in the parking lot. We're, we're like Jeff Dickerson standing outside his. What was he having? Escalade, Kev, I forget. Kevin's gone, but like he's handing me these bats and he's like, Adam, he's still got pop in it. He's like swinging in the parking lot, in the media parking lot, swinging these bats, you know, baseball bats, guys. I don't know. I don't know if you know this can get expensive. And, you know, you gave them to me. And and I'm telling you, they, they still have pop, you know, like he spreads happiness. You know, it's that joy is going to spread to my sons and there's going to be hits and like, Runs scored and their teammates are going to use that bat. Like, so I'll think of that. But, you know, he always used to give me a hard time. Like, Pat, you, you could appreciate this. Like, when, like, I first started on this beat, you know, I was hungry. I was aggressive. We, we go to the combine and, like, we'd have dinner together with all the beat writers. And I was out. Like, I'm going from spot to spot to spot to spot to spot. Like, you we're working it. Remember that, Pat? Like, that was yeah. the job, building connections. And, and he would always bust my chops, JD. You know, he's like, oh, you know, you'll be back. We'll see you. You would well, and it'd be one thirty in the it'd be one thirty in the morning, and you would be. There. Yeah, and and, and, and like, you know, like stay here. He would always be like stay here with us, have another beer, and like, oh no, you know, like he always understood, but now I understand like his message there. You know, like an hour and a half dinner became three. You know, two hours became four. You know, 
We had that fantastic dinner on the second floor of John Fox's favorite restaurant. And Brian, remember that, Pat? Like, like um, <laughs> the waitress had stories. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, like there yeah. was no rush. You know, like we, we all made our way. And, and like I, I thought about that a lot over over the past few days. And I've you know it's always stuck with me over the years. And just that balance in life. And I, I think we've hit on that throughout this conversation we're having here and you know he was about that and like he knew what was important right like he, he knew it was important and what what what's hard is that so many of us are in situations with young children and a lot of us been with young boys john john's what's the what's the line wasn't there like 20 boys in the in in Alice Hall, like three girls or something. Yeah, men make men was the saying. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, but uh, but we're all there and, and it's weird because the intersection of you want to be the best father you can with you want to be the best employee you can, they come at the same time. Yeah. And that Jeff always chose father. Um and um and would not even entertain the idea of anything else. And the fact that he knew he knew he knew all of our sons by name. Oh, if you quit, if you quizzed him, he would go fifteen for fifteen. And the only um, one who could do it too. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He was the only one. And I, I just he made us want to be better fathers and men. Better not friends, necessarily man. better friends. Not necessarily. Ugh. He didn't. He didn't make us be better reporters. He made us be better people. And yeah. I don't know many. I don't know anybody who could say that. You're right. You know, he was the. He was a good friend to all of us, and, and I, I think if it's if there's anything, it's. You know, I could be a better friend. We could all be better friends. You know, I know myself especially. Okay. Guys, I know I needed this tonight because I know last night I was sitting by my phone crying and I could see, you know, JJ like this Instagram and John's like this or Emma posts this or Pat posts this. Like we were all up. We were all doing the same. We were all doing the same thing. I was betting a, I was betting a Minnesota bowl game and telling you all about it. Yeah. Pat's telling me about PJ Fleck. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't. I did. Have I know the you game don't on. like him. I, I know you don't like him. On. Yeah. I, I was oh. sitting in bed last night until I didn't fall asleep until two thirty because I was listening to the the Waddle and Sylvie podcast talking about JD. I mean, I I just like couldn't fall asleep because I at, every time I closed my eyes, it was just like I I couldn't stop thinking about it. And yeah, like that was the thing, Hogue. You know, I like reposted your your Instagram, and then I posted something on mine, and I saw that you liked it. You laughed at the tweet that JD was chiding me about tweeting about Clifton Duck too much. Yeah. Uh, like <laughs> he said, you tweeted something about Clifton Duck, and his response was something like, uh, I thought we talked about this. It was, JD. it was a, it was, look, it was a good pun. It was about <laughs> Clifton Duck. He was peeking duck, and JD was like, we had a con, I thought we had a conversation about this. I, I, I yeah. loved his jokes about like the 53rd man on the roster. Ugh. Oh, I mean, he like, gave, oh. he gave me so much about Alex Bars. I mean, <laughs> That's where that that's where that one started. But I remember last year, Ryan Aldris. I, I, I let a press conference off asking about Darnell Mooney, and JD's like, "What are you doing? Why are we asking about Darnell Mooney?" 
And then a couple of weeks later, Mooney has a couple of good games. He's like, I guess I was wrong. Somebody made the point that JD would have rolled his eyes about not naming names, but somebody asked about T's Tabor in the press conference today. Like JD would have been yeah. like, come on. Uh, and also I keep coming back to that, uh, that night we were in Bourbon, sitting around the uh, indoor pool at whatever Marriott uh, hotel we were at. And JD wanted to keep the party going. We were out of wine. He gave me 40 bucks, sent me to Tucci's, the Italian restaurant next to the hotel and said, see if they'll sell you wine. I was like, you want me to just like go up there? Like, I think they're closed, but like, so yeah, just knock at the back door, give them 40 bucks, see what kind of wine they'll give us. And he wanted to keep the party going for another two hours. So if JD were here, he'd be Venmo me 40 bucks and saying, go find an Italian restaurant somewhere and beg for wine. You know, Krista brought that up tonight, Emma, because she just happened to be at, in Bourbon that night with James. Um, she was, she was laughing about that one because that was it. Didn't matter to 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 Dan's point earlier about you know you could be at the nicest restaurant or you could be at a hibachi in in Bourbon A. You could be sitting at the pool at the Fairfield Inn in Bradley Bourbon A, and we can make a night out of it because JD was there. Because if he hadn't been there, it wouldn't have been the same. And um, that's just what I'm struggling with, guys. I mean. Um, one other thing I want to mention because because uh, John Moon Mullen was here earlier and he had a bad connection, so he couldn't really uh, communicate all that well. Um, but he left us a message here as he signed off, and um, he just wanted to say love, loving the stories, making me sorry to have missed the last two years. Just thinking about how we remember. For me, it's often snapshots on his deck behind the house with Peggy and JD in a great wine place in Arizona and D.C., that kind of thing. For me, the fun thought here is that all of the snapshots involving J.D. are in full memory color. That was J.D. color. Just the best. Be well, everyone. Uh, We'll be putting out a text shortly about a series of YouTube videos I've done called Attitude Over Cancer. I think J.D. lived a lot of that. Hope everybody's doing great, Moon. You know, we had a uh, a lunch at Portillo's because Moon's been bad at battling cancer himself, and we had a lunch at Portillo's. This was pre-pandemic. I mean, just barely. But um, didn't JD have like the biggest pasta dish and a huge salad? I don't know why I remember. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe, I think probably. I sat across from him like, whoa, that is oh. a lot of food. <laughs> but, but we all got together for Moon, and I happened to be at the end of the table. Like, JD could have been a doctor on, on cancer. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's the irony of this. Like, he was just down there talking to Moon about everything and everything he went through with Caitlin. And are you doing this? Are you talking to the University of Chicago? Have you tried this? Talk to this doctor. I mean, it was endless. I mean, the guy here, yeah, the guy essentially had a doctorate in battling cancer before he ever had cancer. And, you know, I just nobody could been. It's just it's not fair. I keep just going back to that. I know we all do. It's just there's nothing that's fair about this. And um I just wanted to share what Moon said because he was here and 
couldn't really, and he's still fighting, and we love him too. Um, another thing I want to say is that um, I wish Zach Zayman was here. Zach had a DePaul game in Indianapolis tonight, was on his way home after the game, and he should be here because Zach, you know, Zach was raised with JD on this beat. Um, and I know he's hurting and we love him too. Um, you know, I just, I just kind of have this list I'm going through guys. Um, one of the things that just still amuses me is, you know, JD was not much of a captain Morgan drinker. Um, but you guys probably know it's like, that's all my wife drinks is captain Morgan. And so he would literally keep a bottle of captain at his house just for her. And he texts me. He's like, Hey, the captain's flowing. It's ready. And, uh, it just, and it was always there and it'd be wherever, wherever, wherever Chris had left it off was where it still was. And it was there just for her. I mean, we, we all, we might keep bottles of liquor in our liquor cabinets for like friends that we might know, like, but like for one person, it just, it, it, but that was him. Um, and I was going through my texts yesterday. My phone goes back pretty much a year. I mentioned this patio uh, earlier. So my texts go back exactly a year. So I'm looking at these texts and I went as far back as I could. And it was December 28th, 2020. So it was exactly a year before he passed. Um, and he said, big news. My neighbor and I are both building small outdoor kitchens for the patios, stainless steel cabinets, concrete counter ca- countertop, and industrial outdoor beer fridge. How are you feeling? Like, that's how it, that was the next test. Because I had been dealing with COVID. And I had been dealing with some fatigue for a while. And it was just. Here's my news. How are you feeling? Um, I said, wow, that's awesome. I'm pretty much back to normal. Just need to get back in shape and I need football season to end. And he said, no kidding. Am I the only one who feels exhausted? I think it's the stress of everything I'm dragging. It never complained like that. And it's not even complaining, but like to him, that's complaint. Like to get something from him, like that's him complaining. He would, he's dra- And I just, I didn't see this till last night because obviously at the time, this was before, you know, everything started to happen. Um, and I, I have, you know, I wish I had seen this a week ago. Maybe I would have asked him, but I just wonder, you know, was he already feeling things that, I'll never know, but uh, it's just kind of hard to see that last night. That's about as much complaining as he did the whole year after he knew it was going on. <laughs> just uh, it's tough. Um, and I'll finish with this too. Cause I was telling the story about Vegas and I never really finished it earlier, but so we went out to dinner with, with weeds and then weeds had an early flight. Like a lot of people did, um, but JD and I had later flights. And I told the story earlier, if you were listening, um, that you know he felt bad about the fact he went to bed the night before before I got there. Like he really felt bad about that. I'm like, dude, you don't have to feel bad. Like, um, 
So I was like, let's go to the bar. Let's, you know, and we had, before we had sat down for dinner, we had sat at the bar because the White Sox were playing the Astros that night in the playoffs. And it was the one good game they had the entire series. Um, and we, this bartender just happened to be like the nicest guy. And we like kind of bonded with him. And so dinner ends, weed's going to bed. And he's like, let's go back to the bar. You know, let's go back to our guy. And we're like walking over there and that guy sees us. He's like, oh yeah, come sit down, come sit down. And he, you know, we ended up sitting there for like two or three more hours. Um, like to the point that I was the one who had to shut it down because I was worried about him. And I was like, I like, I got to get you. He was staying at the Aria where we are. I was like, I got to get you to your room and make sure you make your flight tomorrow. Um, but I didn't want it to end. You know, like that was the problem. Like I would have sat there all night. I would have sat there all night. Um, and we talked about everything. Those, those were the moments where we talk about what was going on this year. Talk about Parker. Um, Cause it could be hard to get him to talk about that stuff. Cause he didn't want to. Um, I think deep down he did want to, but he didn't want to, he didn't want, he just wanted to show his strength all the time. Right. Um, I know I'm rambling here, but I just think about that night and uh, how grateful I am that was able to have him this year. Even as I kind of could realize things were happening, uh, but you never brought it up to him, right? You, you know, you didn't say that. He was going to beat it. That's all that mattered. He'd let you know. He would let me know at the right times when he wanted to, what he was feeling. You'd ask him how he was doing. And if he changed the subject, that was it, right? You didn't bring it back up. But sometimes he'd tell you. And that was... um wasn't very often, but sometimes he did. And um, just hurts, guys. So thank you so much for being here tonight. I just appreciate all of you, too. Everybody who's been here at any point tonight, those of you that are still here, um, I love you guys. I love him so much. And um, just thank love you. Love you, man. Love and respect all Everybody you guys. Is. Yeah, love you guys. It's been an incredible friendship for seven years for me. And Katie's going to live on with all of us. He's, you know, he's not going to be present in that room, but he's going to be with us and we're going to feel him for as long as we're covering this team, as long as we keep going. I think I've said this. I don't know how many times today, just people reaching out here or there. He was the best. Like, you know, it's almost like a cliche, right? Like, but he was the best of all of us. Like, like, he was the absolute best, the fucking best. No one quite like him. He really was the best. I'll say this. If you want to listen to a um, a Bears-Giants breakdown, this is this is not the podcast this week. You can find a different one. Emma, who are you picking on Sunday? I don't know. Is Glenn <laughs> still the Giants? Good God. What are we talking uh, about? Bolts over... Cut his ass after that game. Yeah, JD, please break down a game that matters. Yeah, big playoff implications. Uh, down at Lucas Oil State, are playoff implications. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I'll just say this. I, I, 
I'm gutted that I won't be there on Sunday. You can laugh all you want about the game, but you know, doing this is great over zoom, but I, I wish I could be there with you guys on Sunday. I really do. I will enjoy the football though. Yeah. You'll enjoy it better than we will. You know, I'll never forget going into the 2014 season. Nobody saw that disaster coming more than JD. I don't know. I, I, I mean, it's not like any of us thought they were a great team, but they had playoff hopes. And he, I just, he, I remember him saying this to me like in August, he's like, Oh, this is going to be a shit show. He's like, this is, this is going to be like, like to a level, like it really caught me off guard. And, and, it was even worse than that is how it played out. Like, I don't know how he saw that coming, but he knew. Um, so it just, you know, everything we've said about him, he was also a heck of a reporter, covered the team and knew everything. You know, he wasn't the one predicting 13 and three Super Bowl in the <laughs> Although I'd like to go back and look at a prediction. I'm sure he was still kind of optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the uh, laugh. There you go. <laughs> I'm trying. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, love you all. Uh, if you've made it this far listening, it's incredible. It's like two and a half hours, but um, I think we all needed it. So thank you. And um, that's all I got. Good night. Love you, JD.